powered from the Promoscar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studios in California. It's episode 230 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back the one and only Steve Saka of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Delos Reyes introduced another chapter of the saga, the saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. The saga Celez is a perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a brand of Cuyoyo Olor and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador Shea Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. The Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a return to Cuban seed Nicaraguan Sungro, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, the Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And I want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great Leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of that Carojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds cultivated by cumulative agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of our JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian Farmer Casa Fernandez Cigar, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And finally, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on, Drew Estate. Experience the subculture is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streams for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show. And I want to mention that Cigar Coop's PCA coverage for 2022 is sponsored by both Taylor's Ray Cigars and Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime episode 230. Today is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Will Cooper on the black stage here in the Perdomo Scott Studios. And I'm joined cross country by my friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing good. Well, there was no manager change today with the Phillies. <laughs> um, this was one of the days people were looking at. So now everyone's going to be looking to Monday. I think which is the next day off. Yeah. To see what's going to happen. So we still have a manager. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens going into this weekend. I forget who we play. I think we play the Mets or the Brewers or something. I know we have the Brewers coming up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, it, but it's been a long, long baseball week. Uh, the only bad thing is I, uh, you know, when I drove back from Florida, I don't know if I told you this, um, 
I had a, a really dangerous condition. I didn't realize on the car. Um, my brake caliber is like shot and the right. car was like shimmying and I didn't really think much of it. <laughs> and I went in for my normal thing and they said like, you can't drive this car. Like, like how far did you drive this car back? And they, I said like 600 miles. Yeah. And they're like, like they're saying I, I was pretty lucky uh, because that thing, the wheel could have popped right off. They said, wow. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, I have, I have a loaner car right now, but I mean, I've seen my car for a couple of weeks. They say, cause the parts on order. I see. Yeah. yeah. So, so otherwise, uh, otherwise pretty good. Otherwise pretty good. Can't complain. Good. Uh, so, Hey, why don't we just get right into it? We have our, yep. our special guest here. Um, everybody knows him. Uh, he is the, uh, founder uh of dumbarton tobacco and trust he's the one and only mr steve saka steve welcome back to prime time hey guys how you doing doing good good special isn't you always say they're your special guests but you have like four a week don't you so <laughs> special <laughs> for, this show, well, for this show <laughs> who was the last special guest what was on the last program uh who was the last special guest was luciano <laughs> Okay. Was that your that, last? Is that your last show? Was Luciano? What, well, the last show I had a guest on. Okay, and then yep. who's your next special guest on the next show? Scott Pierce. Okay, so yeah, Getting all they the are special. Players, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we 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 were trying. I'm the know. lettuce in between the two, man. I'm the rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> the crunch factor. The crunch factor. <laughs> nah, you know the big burger. It's like the big burger there. You know. No, I wasn't gonna say I was the meat. No, I'm not going. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> I'm going no. for the meat between the buns nonsense. That's, I'll leave those jokes to someone else. Right. <laughs> uh, hey, before we kind of get into stuff, uh, what is everyone lighting up tonight? I'm going to be lighting up the Stillwell Star, uh, the aromatic number one. Interesting choice for you. Yep. I have a clean palate today, so. I'm doing the famous 80th. So. The Toro or the Robusto, Aaron? The Toro. Toro. Yeah, I, I like the Toro better than the Robusto, personally. Okay. This yeah. is my first time smoking either, so I won't, oh, I won't know okay. the difference between the two. It is, um, so that cigar would be like, what? At least three years old at this point, the Toro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, I'm smoking the half-wheel number two consensus cigar of the year, the Sin Compromiso Paladin de Saka. I had a feeling you were going to smoke that one tonight. <laughs> Dude, you gotta. <laughs> it's only it. appropriate. It's only appropriate. Uh. <laughs> I actually like the cigar, so you made history, though. You made history. You know, I don't. You know what it is? Look, I, I've never been shy about the fact that I. I mean, I don't like actively lobby, but I also do actively say, "Hey, give me your address, and I'll send you samples." Right? And I've always been very candid about that. And look, you guys know as well as I do. People are trying to jam samples down you all the time and yep. ask you to review their cigar before the end of the year, hoping that you're going to like it and it ends up in your list and all that. And I don't do any of that. Well, you guys can vouch for me on that one. I send you cigars. I send you sheets with information, but I don't really dictate to you how to do it, when to do it, or even, even when you write reviews and I don't agree with them, right. I just write, hey, I don't agree with it, or there's this little air in the details that I'll correct, you know, look, it's not your job to know every little trinket and thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just, it's not, it's not like, it's just like, just a common air kind of stuff. But, um, you know, for me, everyone has different criteria and what really, if you really think about it, I probably hurt my chances at getting a number one on a cigar because I picked up so much weight on it last year 
and I'll probably pick up a little this year, but I don't think so. I think this year, I just think there's so many new releases that are coming out <laughs> that I feel like Paladin to Sokka is like already yesterday's news in at least in the media mind. And the, the consumers are going to be a little blurred with it too. You know what I mean? I mean, I think looking three years into the future, um, I think Paladin Sokka is going to have long-term staying power. It's a really great blend. Um, the price is going to obviously limit it to how many people are ever actually going to smoke it. So it's never going to have widespread, but it's like, you know, look in my dreams, you kind of like it to be, and I'm not saying a one-to-one comparison, but I'd like for Syncomper Miso smokers to view it the way that Padron smokers view the 50th or the 80th. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm not trying to draw the Padron to Sin comparison, but I'm saying the Padron fan, the way they look at and have the respect for the 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 hammer and the 50th and the 80th. I hope the Syncompromiso smoker feels the same way about the Paladin and whatever else I might come up with in the future. So but yeah, I think I think it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a really crowded, interesting year. No, I think it uh, I think you know it's, it's, the year is still gonna play out, obviously, because we have a lot of releases that are gonna be coming. A lot. It, you it's know more, so most I I mean maybe I'm just it feels to me like it's more than I remember in recent times. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. And I don't want to, we're going to touch on a, uh, we're going to touch on that uh, in the show for sure. But you know, you made a point, you know, when you mentioned you sent the samples out and I want to like in full disclosure, you kind of surveyed a bunch of us say, Hey, are you guys going to get these reviews done in 2021? And, and I know Aaron and I answered back, Hey, we're not going to get them until 2022, but we got right. some late in here. But you still but sent them to us anyway. Didn't, didn't bad yeah. you, so you got to go. No, it no, done. and it wasn't. But you it still was more it. just kind of a curiosity question. Yeah. The problem for me this year was normally I try to get the samples out in September. Yeah. Early October. I was late getting the samples out this year, was part of the problem. I hope to be more proactive this year and have them, you know, out in the mail. You know, I hope to have them gone by early October would be ideal. Maybe I could do it earlier because this year I don't have a lot of fresh and new. So everything that um, I think this year I should be able to probably even do it earlier. Um, but, you know, look, again, you want to talk about playing the game. You do it too soon and things get forgetting, forgotten. Yep. There's always recency bias. Look, we're all human, right? So the last craft beer I had is the best craft beer I ever had. Right. Yeah. And maybe not, but maybe the last great craft beer I had is the one because during the year you had four or five others that were great, but you had that one in February you had that one in March and that one in May, but Hey, the one I had in October is the one that's the freshest in my mind. And so, you know, part of it is you don't want to be too soon either because that can work against you. Real reviewers have a system that eliminates that. So I'll just say that. Yeah, <laughs> look, I don't know what your guys' system is. I know the way Half Wheel does it. I think they do anything that gets over a certain score during the year. 91. Yeah. A 91. Yeah. They then all three have to go back and yes. smoke it. And then they kind of arm wrangle it out as to what's going to get the position. I, I know that's their methodology for doing it. I think CI, CI, CA, I'm not relevant in that conversation because they don't mm. rank, or rank my cigars. But I think they also have a, if it scores a certain amount, it then kind of goes to a panel at some point during the year. Same 91. And then yeah. fight it out, you know, as yeah, to yeah. what they're going to rank where. I mean, yeah. how do you guys do it? I mean, 
I know Coop, you have a September cutoff. I know that. It's actually anything released before the trade show is the cutoff, right? Uh, but it can be reviewed up until the end of October. All right. So therefore, this year for you, um, me, K. Rita Black won't be eligible. But it is won't it eligible because be- it was JR 50s last year with a secondary band? It, it depends on the size. It depends on, yeah, it Identical on the size. size. It's seven and a quarter by 54. Yeah. So me, Karita Black's coming out this year. Yeah, we're going to make it available. Well, look, Nikki Rita Black was always destined to be a 2023 release. Uh huh. Um, I had enough, I had tobacco ready to go. I didn't end up making, I just didn't have time to make a custom blend for JR's 50th. So I ended up basically using the black blend that I was already like done with the initial test crop with. Uh-huh. And, and I use that kind of as here's the 50th anniversary. And I made it in a size that was JR relevant as far as my experience was with them, that seven and a quarter by 54. And, um, and I had enough to, and I was obligated to do 500 boxes. I really have enough material to go to make roughly, I don't know when we finish the final quality control, but there'll probably be somewhere between like 3,200 and 3,300 boxes total. And so I'm making them to offer to retailers at this year's trade show, which is good for me. Because if I held on to that tobacco until all the rest of tobacco was ready in 2023, it would make it hard for the cigar to be right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So in some weird way, this is kind of, hey, the blend's good. It's fine. I have the lead. This amount's ready to go. But it wasn't enough for me to say, oh, let's do the whole black release and the X number of sizes and all of this and that. So I just said, hey, I'm going to mail it in. I know this size is done. I know this one's per- perfect in my perspective, the way I wanted it to be. So let's just make this. It uses the tobacco that's ready to go. And it gives me something to offer retailers at the trade show because um, unlike most companies, I kind of, like I really shot my wad last year and I don't really have space to make anything else. And the other thing too is, and dude, I've been on a tear. I mean, how much can I make for God's yeah. sake? No, it's true. It's really, I mean, I mean, I, I think sometimes people don't think about it, but I mean, I'm, I'm, it's me. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not like some yep. big operation behind me with, you know, I mean, there's dozens of people that are involved, but yeah. all the direction comes from me. And that's, it gets, it gets a little challenging. Is it going to be called Me Carita Black? Because technically yeah. the JR release wasn't called that. Um, no, the JR release was called something like the EM Maduro. But it had the Me Carita Black band on it because I had those bands printed. Right, but the box didn't. The box had Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust, uh, right. EM, yeah. And I don't, and actually, I don't even know that this is, <laughs> you know what? I don't even know the name of the brand. Hold on a second. <laughs> Let me... Let me look at what the silk screen on the box actually says, <laughs> because I, you know, I, you gotta remember, I, I have nicknames for everything, right? So I've been calling it Miki Rita Black, but I think this first one, I think it's coming out is just, uh, where is this? Would help if I looked in the right place on my computer. Just come on, Saka, yeah. learn how to use the damn thing. Yeah, they they said like I have the press release in front of me from Jr. I said Dumbarton Tobacco Press Limited Edition EM Maduro. Right. And that stood for Ed McVeigh because that was his favorite size. Right. 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 So let's take a look at this. So what does the box actually say? So 
on this year's box, it doesn't even say me, K. Rita Black again. This one size, I renamed it Saka Khan. It just says me, K. Rita. The Vitola is named Saka Khan. And it just says limited production, 10, 7 and a quarter by 54 Pareos. But it's got the me, K. Rita Black band on it. Right. I mean, the reality is, it's not like we named Tricky Traka Mike Rita Red, and right. like we call you know the original. We never called it blue, but I think a lot of people have just kind of gotten in the habit. Right. Of it's blue, red, and this will be black, um, because it's just it's just easier. It gets it gets too confusing, yeah. and particularly in the case where <clears throat> there aren't wrapper changes either. You know what I mean? Yeah. I right. Mean, it's different. <clears throat> it's different cuts of the broadleaf animal. I mean, but ultimately it's all broadleaf at this point. Right. So it makes it even a little bit more confusing when you really think about it. That's what my job is to make things confusing. <laughs> yeah, nah. I'm doing a good job. Nah, nah. Yeah. The uh, so that so that so it's one size, it's a, it's a soccer con size, which you have a soccer con size in yeah, the, I had the a loop. I had a seven by fifty that I used that name on one. Yeah, I remember for, for, that. I did a limited I did a limited production for Cigars International mm-hmm. and um, they had a hard time selling it. You know, it just Really? Yeah, and let me get it first off. You can understand. I mean, everyone always thinks they get into these massive accounts and things are going to sell like crazy. It's not the way it works. You get lost in the mix. If they don't promo your brand, that's true. You just get lost. And the thing is the way they promote your brand is because either they own your brand or you gave them such a big discount or you're doing some sort of programs with them. And look, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. This is the way it should work. It's their business and they should do the business that makes the most sense for them. Um, so for us, we were always an organic carry and we still are, um, you know, like we don't like, I don't think most consumers realize this, but there's often programs and discounts associated with being in the catalog and having those pages. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Sometimes it's cash. Sometimes it's cigars. Sometimes it's, hey, give me a really great price on bulk and we do this. Or, hey, let's do some co-op and let's make some really bad hats and we'll share those with everybody. But uh, I mean, a lot goes into it. So when you go into those big places like that, you really, if you're not doing that kind of programming and discounting with them, you really just kind of get pulled as you get pulled. So the reality is, even though CI is the largest, they were my worst big box customer because their average customer base is at a price point lower than everything I make. I mean, just go to their website and look at the price drop down menu. It's, you know, under yeah. two, two to four, four to six. And last time I looked, it was then six and up. That's a lot of span from six and up. Right. Yeah. Yep. So now as we've grown as a company, um, well, no, we've, we've grown as a company because of demand. But as the demand has increased, the pulls increased. And so that organic growth with them has gone up. Today, they probably would do well with a SokaCon, but initially they didn't. They sold it all out. They didn't have to discount it or, or give it away, but it wasn't a fast mover for them. Right. You know? Yeah, I think the JR one, you had, you had the advantage of being part of that series, which they were promoting throughout the whole year. See, you look at that as an advantage, and I thought, I don't know, man. There were too many of them. Look, how many there, were there? There were a lot. Yeah. There were 12. You were the last of, of them. You were like the last one released. Um, was I the last? There wasn't one behind me? There was a sampler that they did behind you. Of oh, other. that's right, where they took some of the cigars. I but mean, that was it. Yeah, that you were the last new I one. I think out of the ones they did, I think the only one that sold out 
was mine. And then the JRE, do I have that right? JRE or is it the JRF? JFR. 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 They still have the JFR one. Um, but even with the JFR, it took them like a couple, three months to go through that. Yeah. Um, it took them, but it looked for mine, it even took longer than normal. It took them like almost a week. Yeah. I, I got, I got a box of them, like not the first day. So I could tell you that, but it was like close was like to the week, first day. Like eight days, nine days, maybe even 10 days. I mean, and again, they're not built to sell 500 limited edition boxes of expensive cigars. You know what I mean? It's not like their primary focus. It's not like when you do a U-boat with Rockies, for them, that makes their whole month. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I don't want to prejudge how much they make, but look, it's a nice number when you get frog juice or U-boat or the Don Dermas or, um, you know, but as you go up the food chain, um, you know, uh, 500 boxes of, uh, whatever 10 count box just they just don't mean much in the jr ecosphere yeah you know i mean and they they get the appropriate treatment as they should and that's one of the reasons why i don't tend to do a lot of those things um well i mean i do i mean i mean look i did aaron smoking a famous 80th right yeah. i made the famous 80th three times in a row i mean and eventually i think famous 80th will probably become a, a an all the time blend um, I think it will. I mean, but you always have to ask this question. Is it sell out so well because the cigar is so good or does it sell out so well because it sold out so well the time before and then people are like, oh, I don't want to miss it. This, You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you take something and you make it into a full all the time available brand is not the same as when you, you know, put it out. Now, I will say the fact that it sold out three times in a row it kind of shows that it might have the potential same way as like red meat lover shows that it has the potential, yeah. you know what I mean? But, yeah. uh, but red meat lovers is going national, right? I mean, that was um, my, I don't know that. Look, I'm working on a bunch of different blends, uh-huh. the different sizes, right? right. Adjustments and tweaks. Um, I know that Abe would like to take it national. What I don't know is going to work is the math on it. Because you got to understand the product was originally designed just to be sold through a single retailer. It wasn't designed to be distributed. And like when you have to distribute things, there's a lot of other costs involved than when you just have to sell it to one person who's the direct retailer that makes the entire retail bite on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and the other thing too is it, the pa- it has to be packaged differently. You can't package it the way we package it now. It's completely unshelf friendly. Right. right. Very so, true. Yeah. Um, we got to add that cost in too. And then, you know, uh, it has a wonderful operation to distribute cigars to consumers, but it's not the same to distribute cigars to, to, to business, to business yeah. wholesale accounts. You got to have licenses. You got to do tax filings in a bunch of States, even the station, some tax filings, there's other States you'd have to do reports. I mean, there's, there's stuff that is associated that are just business to business. You know what I mean? And and even just in the, like, I could not be a direct to consumer business right now. I'm not set up to do it. Right. Because we're set up to pack boxes that hold 20 boxes of cigars, 30 boxes of cigars. You know what I mean? Everything we have is sized for what we have. Right. We rack, like I don't have the space. If I had to carry all the various SKUs that you need to carry to be a, a retailer, an online retailer, 
I'm woefully inadequate. You know, just the yeah, way we yeah. inventory, just the way we rack doesn't make any sense. So it's a very different business model. So what I basically said to Abe is, look, let me make it. Let's find out what the cost is. Let me show you what the numbers are. And then we can have a conversation. But honestly, I almost think Abe's better to just keep doing what he's doing. It seems very effective. Like the every other year release has been well I mean, every year he's we sell more and more of it yep yeah he's got that whole pre-order system down I mean, but, which i think is pretty unique i haven't seen many people look, do I'm, it not, the way. I'm not trying to discourage my you know look i make more money if the brand goes nationwide right i mean i'll just end up making more cigars so probably in the long run i'll benefit but i, I don't know that abe will actually benefit no i don't know like i said you there's a whole different set of dynamics you're right with that um that you don't think of, but it is, it has been very successful for him. I can tell you that. So, you know, and obviously, you know, you know, that better than me. Um, so you mentioned, you mentioned the meet black. Um, and then obviously bewitched is coming out. That's the other, it says, yeah, but which is actually, uh, it's in transit now. So I imagine that we'll start shipping that to the retailers probably over the next couple of weeks. And that was a case where you did take one of these, uh, single store releases and, and, and made it made it a national right. I, I ended up so i should say no to some of these projects but some of them <laughs> are just too hard to because you're you're your friends and um you know and look zach the owl shop is a historic legacy shop here in new england it's been here forever multi-generation it's you know under barrage between terrible parking and terrible regulations and terrible taxes in the state of Massachusetts. It's just, you know, trying to hold its own in Worcester. Um, and, you know, he asked if I'd make a 75th anniversary and I kind of like, I don't know, I had a moment of tender weakness and I agreed. And, uh, and for that one, I did have uh, something I wanted to do because I know the type of cigars that Zach likes to smoke and I want to try to make something that would appeal to him. He's, you know, he's, he likes really, he likes really flavored cigars, but he doesn't like super powerful cigars. You know, he's definitely in that medium, smooth, more elegant, a bit more sophisticated. And um, the Al Shop blend that I made for that project just turned out really, really special, special. And in fact, it was even Zach right from the moment, the first time he smoked, he's like, oh, you got to make this again. And he goes, not for me, you know, because again, Zach, Zach's not set up to do that kind of sales, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. But he goes, oh, you got to make this again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I agree. Because it's, it's really, it's a really special blend. Now, of course, the one thing I wonder about it, and you always have your doubts, but if someone's expecting an amped up level from where we were with the Unstolen Valor, they're going to be wildly disappointed. Where the Unstolen Valor was a spicy, stronger much more one note kind of experience. This is definitely a much more balanced, refined, medium, softer. I mean, honestly, assuming that what lands is the way it tasted to me in Nika and the way it tasted to me last year, I might actually have a shot this year of doing well on the half wheel, their actual top 10 list, because it's more in their wheelhouse with the type of blends that they tend to put in the top, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the only, I mean, I've had a couple things up there land up high. Uh, I know brulee blue did, 
Um, I mean, I know I always do well in the consensus, but I'm just talking about third direct. But I think 448 is going to do well. I think 448 is going to do a lot of us really like that. I think they did. 448 is really great, but man, it's a that's a pretty oomphy little cigar. Um, so I, I, I have a hard time believing. I mean, I think it'll do well, but I have a hard time believing it's in the running for the top five of the half wheel guys. Because I think knowing what Charlie tends to like and what Brooke tends to like, what Patrick tends to like, I think I'm going to have one advocate that might be fighting hard for it. But I think the other two are going to be like, yeah, it's really good, but. Right. You know, look, that's the way all of these things work. I mean, I've always, I've never been shy about saying they're, they're biased opinions and they should be biased. That's the whole point of review. Reviews are inherently biased. You're getting the opinion, the perspective of the person that's doing the rating, the tasting, the scoring, the notes. That's what you're getting. And that's what the consumer ultimately wants too, because they they want to they're reading it because they want to see what your opinion is on it. That's um, true. That's true. That's absolutely. What else? So we got the Bewitched. We got the Saka Khan. Um, something else will ship this month is finally I'll deliver the Barbara Amarias to my friends at Small Batch. Thank God for that. Um, that project's been going on way way too long. Um, and that's kind of, that's, that's <laughs> the cigars were not supposed to have as much age on them as they do. They just totally fucked the duck on it. At first, we they didn't think they made them, and it turned out they did make them, and they were in the back of this, and blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like a, I don't want to steal someone's terminology, lost and found, but it was something that was supposed to be made, and then wasn't made, and then was scheduled to be made, and then when it was scheduled to be made, they realized they did make it, and I'm like, Ugh. I don't know what to say except welcome to 2021 as it was. Um, so I ended up with a cigar that was intended to be a lot stronger um, and was that now has a year of age roughly on it. This could be interpreted as a good thing. This could be interpreted as a bad thing. Um, cigars are really good, but it is what it is. There was something else. What else am I doing this year? Oh, um, I got a holiday Stillwell. Mm. Ah. Yeah, because look, in the pipe market, traditionally, um, pipe carvers make holiday pipes that they sell. Tilly sometimes right. like the last quarter of the year, October, maybe November. And then the pipe tobacco people almost always make an annual pipe tobacco blend right. that right. they release. So I'm just right from the beginning when I started the, I started the brand, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to follow that trend too. You know, once a year. I'll make a I'll make a, a custom still well uh, that'll be for the holiday release and look if it's really liked I'll I'll name it and stick it in a box somewhere down the road and get run of the rid of one of the other four whichever the ones are the ones that's the slowest mm. I mean that's what I mean I don't have any massive plans beyond there's a holiday one and the holiday one this year is another aromatic but it's um, not sweetened um, on the tip. So it's uh, no sweet tip on this one. And honestly, I think it's a lot better than the one you're smoking now. I like this aromatic for the holiday release more than the one you're smoking. That's good. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I like the sweet tip on this. I, I, I almost would have rather had this, I think, without the sweet tip. But, but that's one of the reasons why for the holiday I decided to go there. Yeah, yeah. But look, conventional wisdom is the person that likes the aromatic pipe tobaccos tend to like things that are sweet. Yeah, that's the conventional wisdom. Yeah, right. So it just kind of makes sense to me. But yeah, I mean, I, 
I like this one more. And I made it both versions, a sweet tip version and a non-sweet tip version. And I made a half sweet tip version. And I made a double sweet tip version. And in the end, I was kind of like either the half sweet or the no sweet. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go no sweet on it. That way I don't even have to have that conversation. But look, it still right. tastes sweet because it's it's yeah. aromatic pipe tobacco in the filler. Right. So, I mean, there's still an enhanced yeah. sweetness, but it isn't directly on the lips the way it is on the aromatic number one. Yeah, this one's definitely on the lip. I, I, yeah. I definitely am getting it there. But I don't, I don't even think it's sweet enough. If you ask, you know, in hindsight. Yeah, it was, it's really mellow. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because when you compare it to like Java's or Tabaca Specials or some of the CAO stuff or like a Cuba Cuba. I mean, I know these are different kind of genres of cigars, but uh, those are all really, really sweet, sweet. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's really heavy sweet. Whereas I think this is kind of like, I mean, I don't even think the, I don't think the tip on Aramac number one is even as sweet as it is on like a Baccarat. It's not, it's not overly sweet. I think a Baccarat is even sweeter. I would agree. You know, I, I would definitely agree with you on that. So let's kind of talk Stillwell Star. Um, we're like 11 months since it was announced. I mean, it's probably about seven, eight months since yeah, it's been released. Yeah, we started shipping them like November. Right. The end of October, November, somewhere right around there. Mm-hmm. Um, i tell you the thing that's really interesting about Stillwell. A couple things. I have accounts that aren't doing well with it. And I have accounts that are doing fabulously well with it. That's really peculiar to me. Now, is there any reason or, or pattern you've seen for that? I don't know. I mean, I, I think part of it just has to do with who their customer base is. I think it has to do with how the retailer represents it. Um, I mean, it's hard to think that, I mean, people are people, right? It's hard to think that this store is six miles away from that store. One can be doing great with it. Another one is totally sucking with it. You know what I mean? But the other thing that I've already noticed is I'm meeting a lot of people who initially smoked some of them and didn't like them and are now coming back saying, I re-smoked them again and I'm starting to change my mind that this one is actually starting to appeal to me where it didn't appeal to me before. And I even had that happen in my office. I was commenting on this yesterday in the office and both Yvonne and Cindy piped up and said, yeah, that's how we feel about it. We, we didn't like it very much at all, but now we find ourselves smoking it on a much more regular basis. So I find that rather odd. The other thing that's really odd is I would think this far in, I would start to see some separation between the four front marks, the four, not just front marks, but the four different blends. Right. And so far we've sold about 8,000 boxes of each uh, across the country. So that's what, 32,000 boxes roughly. Right. Um, We are within a hundred boxes of the four in sales volume. I mean, it's like almost dead even if you think about that. Now, to certain stores, it's more of these two. And to other stores, it's more of this one. Okay. But in the end, we're still exactly at basically the same numbers we were coming out of writing the initial orders of the trade show. I hadn't seen any, you know, overview of one pulling away from the other. And I really thought Coop that the one you're smoking would have been the pull away one. And then I thought maybe the Navy would be the pull away one. Um, and that may still ultimately be the case, but I'm not yet seeing that in my gross numbers. Right. But individual retailers are seeing it in their individual shops. It's just, they're all having different experiences. Right. 
So it's 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 a really look. It's a weird project. It's weird blends. It's totally different. I think people. It's going to take a while to wrap their heads around it. And I think there's a, an audience for it, but I think it's going to need a little time to percolate and see what ultimately happens. It's not like any of these. It's not like Acid became the number one selling yeah. brand in America overnight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was pretty much the bat, bastard redheaded stepchild for many, many years. And look, in some people's view, it still is, right? But the sales volume speaks differently than that over the years, right? Yeah. It, it found its audience that really, really loves it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that that'll happen with Stillwell. Probably not because of the price. Again, the price sets up a certain barrier. Um, but... I, I don't I don't actually know where the brand is heading yet, to be honest with you. Did you know it's interesting, Steve, because from a review standpoint, these have been the toughest cigars I've been reviewing because they're so different. And I, you know, I'm not changing the way I'm reviewing them, but I'm these cigars are just different, is what I'm just saying. And uh I, you know, I've been just kind of going through my time. And it's, it's the same thing I keep saying. I I don't good or bad, they're just different, right? They're different, yeah. They're different. I mean it's it's, they're, they're, I didn't like they're, the they're unique experiences. Yeah. You know, there's some there's some issues that you know they don't all burn as evenly as I would like. The pipe tobacco really fights me. Um, I know that you can definitely oversmoke them and they can get too hot. Again, it's because of the pipe tobacco. Certain ones, particularly the aromatic, is yep. particularly That's when the- more sensitive to that. The navy's more sensitive to that. Um, you know, I know that the the bayou is a really hard thing for someone to put their finger on as to what makes this cigar different. What am I tasting that makes it yep. unique? It's look, it's uh, it's they're strange products. Yeah. Um, you know, what I'm hoping is I'm hoping it survives through this year. And there's nothing in the numbers currently telling me that it isn't going to do that. Cause I'd like to get to next year. Cause next year for the holiday release, I kind of played a little safe this year going with the aromatic, but I've already finished a blend for Balkan and mm. Balkan is like a really super strong type of pipe yeah. tobacco. And I really would, I'd like to get that one. And I'd like to have a chance of introducing that. Cause I, I think that might, that might bring on some more of the hardcore traditional guys to the concept if they had the chance to experience a Balkan style pipe blend. Interesting. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I, the aromatic was the one I really had the toughest time at first, but it, it's, I don't, I really, I'm smoking it more is what I'm fine. I actually picked some more of these up in Florida. Really? Yeah. I, Cause like I said, it, it's um, cause I do like aromatic pipe tobacco, but at first the cigar wasn't hitting me, but now I'm kind of, I don't know what it is. I've just, you know, I've had to just kind of change my mindset. That's all I can tell you with it. Um, let me say this. I smoked the blends for like a year and a half before everybody else did right. some variation. Dude, it's taken me like two years to get to the point that I like Bayou the best. <laughs> you know I mean, it's like, okay. It's, I'm, I'm not right? alone with that. Yeah, I'm not kept, alone with that because that's kept, the one I, I would struggle with the most. I bouncing so. back and forth. Yeah. It's like, do I like the English? Yeah. Do I like the Navy? I knew it wasn't the aromatic for me. So the aromatic was always for me. Right the the less favor of my children okay um but 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 that also kind of goes with the way i smoke pipe tobacco i mean for every for every 30 bowls of pipe tobacco i smoke maybe one is an aromatic and even when it's an aromatic it's kind of a cut aromatic where i'll take one of my favorite aromatic blends and i'll 
50 50 it into something else you know what i mean yeah into a mild english or into something else so i don't even smoke the aromatics i smoke i don't even eat, smoke them at you know 100 percent blend strength i cut them with other tobaccos mm-hmm. is stillwell star like what i say is a brand where you want it to be do you think it's had the market penetration no or- look i think it's got a lot it's got a lot of, a lot of room but right I mean, but you didn't expect it to come right out of the gate like that either. I don't expect anything to come right out of the gate. I mean, I mean, I think that I think Stillwell is going through the natural. I mean, the volume is higher, but that's just because we as a company have grown. So all of our volumes are naturally right. higher. Right. right. Um, but it, it's going through that normal cycle of it sells incredibly well out of the gate and it sells really well for those couple first couple turns because the replacements and then it's slowed down and it's slow, but it's steady. And then the question is now kind of what happens from here. Um, and that's been the trend for every brand that I've released with the exception of one. The only brand that I have released that has shown, I have never ever hit a peak on Brulee. Since the moment we launched Brulee, there's never been a point that the sales have ever paused. Right. Uh, the numbers have, you know, started to dip a little bit to then rebound. That's what's happened with everything else. Regular Sober Mesa, Nikkei Rita, Paladin de Sock, um, all Sin Comfort Mies. Look, and they all sell more than they originally sold, but they kind of do this, then they do this, and they do that. Right. Brulee is the only one that's just still doing this. And here it is three years later. And um, so I don't actually, and it's not because we're, I mean, I'm making like literally I know I'm making at least eightfold the brulee. I may be making tenfold the brulee. I'd have to go back and look, do some comparative numbers, but we're making a shit ton of brulee. I can tell you that. I mean, it's a lot. And, um, and we still continue to run out of it on a very regular basis. And uh, I mean, so I, I don't even know where the, the ceiling is on that one at all. Um. One, I have another question regarding uh, releases. Krakatoa, are we ever going to see that? Yeah, you're probably going to look. I, I kind of like Krakatoa has been very frustrating to me. I've been meaning, I've been trying to make it for three years. And the problem is, I keep making these really strong blends, and look, it's called Krakatoa. There's a problem. You should never come up with a name before you come up with the blend first. <laughs> Just the stupidest idea ever. But the concept was, I wanted to make a really strong one. Because there's nothing, look, Unstolen Valor is strong, but I want to make a really super strong cigar. Right. Um, and um, and it was just, I would get to the point where, okay, it's super strong, but it's just like no redeeming value whatsoever. It's just punishing the smoke. It, it ruins your sinuses. It makes your throat all scratchy and itchy. It's like, okay, yeah, it's super strong, but who cares? You know what I mean? It just, it just, Everything I did just it either lacked finesse or it wasn't strong enough. I could never get a balance of where I was happy with the strength and I was happy with the flavor and the experience. For me personally, look, you know, there are people out there that just love the main line, these super, you know, oh my God, let's blow somebody's head off kind of cigars. That's not me. I'm the occasional smoker of a double Lajaro, I'm the occasional smoker of a Neanderthal. You know what I mean? I'd much rather smoke 
I like both of those Cubby cigars, but I'd rather smoke something that's a little more step down to the strength level because I feel like I get more flavor that I like out of it. So that's been my challenge. I've never been happy. And I just kept making sample after sample and tweak after tweak and just got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm making no progress at all. So let's just stop. You know, I, at the point where I was like, I just need to stop everything I'm doing and completely go back to square one and stop trying to fix what I haven't been happy with. And, and that's where I got to. And that was the reason why, I mean, look, we didn't release a Muester for two years because I'm trying to get Krakatoa. And I finally was like, I got to do this. Right, right. You know, so, and that's why I said, okay, let's take the Al Shop Liga. It's fantastic. Let's offer that to all of our retailers. It'll, it definitely fits into the Muester concept and line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a worthy cigar, in my opinion. Um, I feel c- very confident about that cigar. Now, since I made that decision nine months ago, I've actually started working on Krakatoa again, and I actually think I might be there now. Okay. I actually am down to um, two blends that I think are there, and I have a factory effect. They're going to be I'm going down next week. I said make 100 of each of these, so I have enough to really smoke a lot of them instead of, you know, 10 of this and 15 of that, where I said, okay, these two blends, make 100 of them. Um, actually, that's not true. I had them make... 100 of each blend, but I had to make two minor Vitola changes. So there's actually 50 of each, um, but one blend, two sizes, another blend, two sizes. So mm-hmm. it's 200 cigars, and it'll give me a chance to really spend some time with it. Luckily, I have all the way until, because of a witch, I now have at least a whole year, right? Yep. Um, and the other thing too is I sure would like to get back on my this is just totally selfish business reasons, but I'd like to get back on my spring release schedule for Muester to Saka mm. because look, springs are brutal in our business. Winters are long. Wholesale sales typically take a, I mean, we can't count the COVID bubble years. They're really weird years. Right. Okay. Um, but I mean, traditionally, you know, March is a really good time as a manufacturer. That It's one of the reasons why uh, retailers give such crazy and retailers um manufacturers give crazy discounts at taa because they're just desperate for the cash right they're coming out of december january february they just need the cash they're like okay let me pull my pants down because i need the money thank you very much and it's a very good symbiotic relationship between those taa retailers and the people that uh participate in the show um so for me muestra Saka gave me a nice easy cash infusion in the month of March when you really need the money and I'm able to do it without having to take my pants down. I can sell it for the value that the cigar is. Right. Um, you know, not the same volume that the big guy sell at TA by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't need as much to eat either. You know what I mean? So I'd love to be able to launch this, bewitch, say these two figure out this Krakatoa works and be able to put it into production, like literally, like July or August, you know what I mean? That would be good for me so that I could actually ship the cigar in March. That would, that would, that would just tickle me pink to get back on schedule. Oh yeah. That'll be good for you. you, um, 
Um, I mean, like I said, the pandemic kind of, and I think you had a little bit of an advantage though, because you had late year releases last year. Did that help you out at all in the spring because of the late year releases? Like the late yeah. year shipping, I should say. Look, I had, I mean, I, I don't know what everyone else is doing, but we really have, we've had a crazy good year so far. We were, we were like, like 38% year to date, but I'm already noticing things starting to soften a bit. I mean, we're definitely through the COVID bubble. Things are definitely softening. Um, I think that there's going to be a, I think there's already a glut on our side as manufacturers, not for everybody. Individual companies have individual experiences, but as a general rule of thumb, look, what were the import numbers last year? 465, was that the number? We got reported 465 million or was it 455? It was like a crazy number. Right, it was a crazy number. Look, I just don't believe in my heart that Americans are smoking 465 million handmade cigars a year. No. I mean, I believe the number went up. I believe the number's growing. Uh, but look, we've been pretty much 315 to 335 is an import number pretty consistently for the last 20 years, except for the one year, 2009, after the bubble housing bubble collapsed and went down to like 276 or something like that. But then it bounced back. So I think, I think legitimately maybe 352 million, 355 million. Um, so I think that there's going to be a glut of product. And I think that, I mean, I don't know how much either of you guys talk to retailers, but I mean, a lot of manufacturers are starting to give some pretty steep discounts to try to move some goods. I mean, the, the day of the deal is back live again. You know? Well, actually, Aaron, I'm going to pivot to this part of the discussion that we're going to do. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. So yeah, I want to kind of pivot into some of the pricing stuff right now. It's going on. Um, because obviously you, you, you had to raise your prices this year and, um, well, I didn't have to, it's just, do I want to, do I want to stay in business? As you well? want to stay in business? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I could give the cigars away for free, right? Right, I mean, right, uh, right, right. <laughs> um, what are your current thoughts just uh, on the price increases? Cause my I, thoughts are probably, what I think, I think, yeah, are, 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 are not important. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I think as an industry, we didn't pass on the true price increase. Mm. I think we kind of cut the baby in half. I think, um, look, there's no great secrets on our sides, right? I mean, we're all paying roughly the same for everything, right? It's not like there's one factory in Nicaragua that has an entirely different cost basis than another factory. It's not like somebody's got some magic lead on this you know, $7 a pound tobacco where all the rest of us are paying $10 a pound for filler. I mean, we're all, we're all in the same ballpark. And I think, I think legitimately, I think it's very hard at the factory level that I think everybody pretty much experienced somewhere between a a 10 to a 14% cost increase between 2020 and 2021, more in 2021 than 2020. So the bulk of it was last year. And I think that, I think, what ended up happening is most manufacturers said, okay, that's a big cost increase. We don't want to slow sales, which is always the fear when you raise prices that volume slows. And when volume slows, because of it's a factory, you'll start to lose economy of scales and things get more expensive when you start making less of it. You know what I mean? So you don't want to really disrupt the numbers, but yet you can't make it if you can't afford to make it. So I think that most people went into these price increases and they kind of took somewhere between what, four to 7%. I think most companies 
Um, I think that's about what most took. I mean, there's a few exceptions, a little lower, some that were higher. And I really think that was really about half. And I think, I think most people kind of, I can tell the way I viewed it. I'm saying, okay, I hope 2022, this slows. And then I get to the end of 2022 and I can take another 4% increase. Right. And then try to catch up for what I gave away you know, stop giving away what I gave away in 2021 and 2022 and get back to where my 2019 numbers were, right? Because that's the goal is not to, to get back to what your baseline gross profit is. The problem we have is this inflation is not slowing in the slightest. I mean, if anything, 2022 is even worse than 2021. I mean, it's just, it's insanity. And I don't know... I don't know how we're going to deal with it, particularly when I'm telling you on one side of my mouth that I think we as an industry have overproduced. And I think there's going to be a glut of product in the marketplace that people are just going to say, okay, I'm not going to make any money on this, but I need, I need a cash recover. Mm-hmm. And that makes it even more challenging. And then the question is, does a little company like mine, do I get swallowed up in that hole? I don't know whether I do, or is my customer different than the other customer I mean, maybe it affects the $8 guy way more than it affects the $13, $14 guy. I mean, will I have a certain amount of buffer and protection? And, you know, I, I, I just don't know. And then also you got to ask myself, how are my retailers going to look at this? If, if Dunbarton isn't offering a discount and all these other companies are, and it lets me, you know, pad my margin 15%, well, why am I going to just put their cigars on the shelf while I'm getting these crazy, stupid, great deals, right? And so even if the consumer's okay with it, I don't know whether the guy in the middle of this operation is going to be okay with it. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to view it. It's the same thing. Look, I look at all these releases at the trade show. Here's Sokka's coming with what? Okay, you can order me K. Rita Black. I just shipped you a witch. You can order this holiday thing. But for the most part, I'm like saying buy Tricky Troc. I'm saying buy Brulee, buy Sin Compromiso. I mean, am I just going to get totally frozen out because I don't have something when everybody has something? Or is it going to work the other way? There's so much of everything that a lot of retailers are going to be like, I don't want to take any chance. And well, that Dunbarton brand, it's been doing pretty good in my shop and I see it growing and I see all the buzz online. I'm going to just commit more to this and yeah, I'm going to, you know, bite on this and bite on that and bite on that and maybe take four or five, six bites around the trade show of something new that catches their eye. But I mean, dude, I mean, the influx of new product is mind numbing. Literally, you can just throw everything out of your humidor and still not have enough space for what is being announced for this trade show. I mean, literally, you can get rid of every single thing, all 800, 900 facings you have in your shop, and you still don't have enough space in your humidor for what we as an industry are going to be trying to sell these retailers new. I don't know what's in their brains. I don't know how they think. It's going to be really, really interesting to me. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because um, you mentioned inflation, right? Mm-hmm. But the other, the other thing I'm hearing a lot of is, is getting tobacco has been tough. Filler sure that, tobacco. Filler tobacco has been a real problem. What, what what's driving all this right now? Why is it hard now to get filler tobacco this year? So part of part of this is look, the industry as a whole was slowing down in 2019. 
the big box guys had really cut down on what they were stocking and inventorying. Mm-hmm. They tried to go to a much more just in time kind of model as much as you can be when you're a big box guy, you know what I mean? But they tried to reduce their, they tried to re- increase their turn cycle, reduce their carrying costs as all big businesses tend to eventually get to. Um, so overall as an industry, it really slowed down. So that meant that the, and look, we normally stock two to three years of filler. It's the thing that we're the heaviest on. We're always trying to scramble for wrapper. Filler is almost always relatively available. Okay. To a degree. And, uh, but with the slowdown in 2019, um, it kind of basically kind of like really undercut the farming in 2020, 20 end of 2019, 2020. So we had like one of the smallest crops ever. And you got to understand a lot of these tobacco guys, they don't want to grow filler. They want to grow wrapper. They want to grow because that's where the money is. Right. If they didn't have to grow filler, they would be happy to never grow filler. The problem is you can't sell wrapper if there's no filler. So they kind of do the filler operations because you have to do the filler operations and you don't make a lot of money on it. But, you know, this is how you can sell the expensive wrapper. You got to have the filler. But everyone planted less in 2019 across the board. And then we had some agricultural problems. Like we had the problem last year with the broadleaf and all of that. But separate of that, there was just a general slowdown. And then, I mean, everything came to a screeching halt when the whole zombie apocalypse got announced with COVID. You know, nobody knew what was going on in March of 2020, April. Uh, everybody's numbers hit. You know, I mean, they were just tanking left and right. And then we got to the end of April of that year. And I think we all felt like we got shot out of a cannon. So now all of a sudden, everybody's got to make a ton of cigars. And everybody just started burning through all their filler inventory. Right. And then when the 2019, 2020 season crop was ready, it was much smaller, but yet we're in this cycle where everyone's needing to produce so many damn cigars that everyone chewed through it. And again, the decisions that were made for the 2020 to 2021 crop, you know, we weren't really, there wasn't like that much incentive to grow a lot of filler even then. Uh, had we known that 2021 was going to be the way 2021 was, then farmers would have grown a hell of a lot more in the 2020 right. cycle. Mm-hmm. But this is all hindsight. So, I mean, the cigar business is always like two years behind the trend because it just takes so long, two to three years. We just, we universally are. And so look, this year, Eventually, when we probably get towards the summer, fall of this year, I think we're going to be back with, hey, you need filler? I got filler. What do you need? Boom, boom, boom. But for this last 12 months, we've all been scrambling. I mean, I've been I've been like begging for 25 bales of this and 25 bales of that, you know, stuff that'd be normally like, yeah, can you can I pull out 20? Oh, yeah. What do you need? I got 300 bales over here. Go pick out what you need. Boom, boom, boom. Negotiate a price, you know, and then going, no. Now it's like, hey, I don't have it. I have this shit over here. It's now $11 a pound. If you want to look at it, look at it. If you don't want to look at it, I don't care because this other guy over here is going to buy it. And that's just been the way it's been. And it's proven to be a real challenge. And I think, I think you know, luckily, even though we've been growing, we're still small. It's let us be much more consistent. But I think anyone that smokes a lot of the larger scale brands, I mean, there's there's been a definite delta in quality. You know what I mean? There just has. I mean, I imagine you guys see it. You smoke cigars. Yeah. You. Do you see this general kind of like, it just feels to me smoking everything. Even with my own products, 
I've had more quality control issues over the last year than I ever had before. You know, it's all needed way more attention. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I just, overall, I think we've taken a little bit of a quality dip at the same time. It's costing more for the quality dip. It's, it's really kind of, right. it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, counterintuitive, but that's where we are. I think, and I think we're at least another year from this all stabilizing. And now we've got this other problem, this economy that we have no clue where it's heading. And look, I have no idea how the consumer is going to react to this economic situation. And I don't know how bad it's going to get because it isn't inflation on cigars. It's inflation on everything. You know, originally, you know, what, 17 months ago, 18 months ago, we started to see the gas prices increase, right? Yep. But we were really just seeing it in the gas prices. By the time we got towards the tail end of last year, we started seeing it in everything. And now, I mean, we all see it in literally, I mean, everything. There's just nothing, you know, that isn't costing all of us more. Right. And at the same time, for those of out there that are lucky enough to have retirement accounts and 401ks, it's painful to open that envelope at the end of the month. You know what I mean? Even though it's money that you may not be touching for another 20, 30 years in the future, it's still kind of gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I know, look, 30 years ago, it would have devastated me, these pump prices. I can afford it today, God bless. But I ran the pump the other day in Jersey and I put $187 in my truck. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way you can't like just, it, I mean, it just, it just freezes you. You're like, you're like, what's going on yeah. here? You know what I mean? This is a mind numbing number. You know, it's just, it's so, and the problem is you're being told that it's going to go another buck, buck 50 higher for the end of summer. So that means I'm going to be what at $220 for now, you know, you can have the argument, Hey, Saki, you shouldn't drive that big truck and yada, yada, yada. But the reality is that's the vehicle I have. And honestly to replace the vehicle is like, I can do I, I can't even replace the vehicle. I've been trying to yeah. replace the vehicle now for, for like, I've had, a, I've had a vehicle on order for almost nine months now that I have yet to get delivered. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Steve, my poor son-in-law can't deliver cars to his, he sells cars. He can't deliver cars to his customers. This is, this is a problem he's having and it's affecting his bottom line. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. and that's, and that's yeah. the reason why I know everybody, yeah. you know, they look at a car dealership and say, well, these bastards, they're adding $15,000 over list. The problem is they used to be able to sell 60 cars off the lot every month and now they can only sell 20, but their building didn't get any smaller. The number of employees they have aren't any smaller and their, and their, you know, their insurance costs aren't any smaller. So they're now trying to make the same money with 20 vehicles that they used to be able to make with 60 vehicles. What they'd really love is they'd really love to have 60 vehicles to sell. That's what they'd really love to have. You know what I mean? And that's part of the problem. And it's just, I think everybody is, even if, you personally, it isn't an economic challenge. It makes you take pause. Now, on a positive note, cigars tend to be a little bit recession-proof. They tend to be the type of thing that a consumer goes, well, I can't afford to go on this vacation. I can't afford to put the pool in. And I can't afford to do this. But damn it, I can afford to smoke a good cigar on a Friday and Saturday. Right? So even when the housing bubble collapsed, we went down, like I said, from 325 million units roughly a year to 275, 
to then bounce back. It wasn't like a, it was like, you know, it was a decrease, it was a decrease of about 15% unit wise. And even during that year, I mean, Drew State still grew because we were a growing company, right? So, um, and that, that could be the case with Dunbarton. This could be a contraction year, and yet Dunbarton may actually still grow in a contracting year just because of where we are in our company's pattern right. and life cycle. Right. But the reality is, I don't believe that the market's a 465 million handmade cigar a year market. I don't, I just don't believe it. I, I don't either. It just, it doesn't make sense to me just looking at the historical record. Now, what I do see happening coming out of COVID is I think the guy who used to try to squeeze two or three cigars in a week, I think he liked smoking two to three cigars a day. He now won't have the money or the time to do it, but maybe he'll make it where, hey, most nights he tries to get one in at the end of the night. And then maybe on the weekend, he'll make it a priority to try to fit a couple cigars in on Saturday and a couple cigars in on Sunday. So we might have overall greater sales than when we started in 2019 unit wise, which is kind of the way the boom happened. But we had the collapse of the boom, but coming out of the other side of the boom, we had a whole new group of consumers that were regular cigar smokers that yep. had made it part of their daily, if not daily, near daily experience in the way they, you know, they treated cigars. And, and I think you're going to, I think you're going to see that. So I'm, I'm not all doom and gloom for the long term, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be a tumultuous year and it sure would help if inflation would just, yeah. I think the problem is it just keeps increasing. Yep. It's like, we're not, we're not <laughs> half peaked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think, and the, and the thing is, I, I, and the energy cost, it's not, it's everything. That's the problem with energy is energy, energy makes everything more expensive because yeah. everything requires energy. Everything requires, you know, needs to be moved, needs to be shipped, yep. machines need to run, everything. So yep. uh, the energy cost is such a driving factor to just the overall world economy. Um, and the more developed the nation you are, the bigger an impact it has, oddly enough, right? Yep. It, it, it is an effect. I don't even know, is Chad still a country? But I, I yeah, don't, they I can't are. keep up with my African boundaries and the names. But I mean, I don't think it's affecting the third world countries as dramatically as some of the first world countries, you know? Okay. Steve, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a quick round of uh, sponsor and I'm, we're going to, we're going to kind of continue on, on this, on this path there. Okay. All right. So I uh, want to mention tailored smoke located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's epicenter. And now outside the Charlotte motor speedway in Concord, North Carolina, tailored smoke is your one stop stop for tailored smoking experience. And when I mentioned Jerry tobacco, the authentic Corolla leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of South Cuba, it was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it's one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Arroyo took on the challenge of growing Corolla from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corolla back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corolla. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julianus and Husto bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corolla leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corolla Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Cameroon, or Habano Wrapper, representing the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. I want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. 
Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from many famous international cigar makers, including Avo, LFD, Drew Estate, Perdomo, Gurkha, and Oliva. They have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Former magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five cigar retailer on the internet by Smoke Magazine. Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online at www.coronacigar.com or visit one of Corona's four Central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. We're back with Steve Saka here uh, on Primetime Episode 210. And Steve, we were just talking about uh, pricing. 230. And we kind of, what? Don't change yourself. 230. What did I say? 210. I said 210, 230. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Thanks, Darren. Darren always keeps me honest. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the episode number. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we were just talking about the price increase stuff. Um, and we kind of started touching on this topic a bit um, a couple of times. You mentioned there's a lot of stuff coming out at the trade show, but I, I've seen you every year. One thing you, I think, I always see you put this up in the soccer question of the week. Yeah. And it seems and like I'm going to ask it again, probably about a week before the trade show. I'm always curious, what are people the most, what has caught their eye? What have they seen be announced that, you know, has intrigued them and they're interested in particularly trying. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm always curious. I'm curious just because I'm a busy body, you know, I just, I'm, I'm like, maybe it's my cigar geek core. I mean, there's always, often there's something that gets like, I can tell you, I'm, I know that Nicholas is working on something new a whole brand for this year. Now, maybe it's because of my relationship with Nick. Maybe it's because Nick really, no offense, Nick, I love you, but you haven't done jack shit in the last couple of years. You know what I mean? Um, oh. I think that, uh, well, he has, and he hasn't done any major anything really, right? I don't think that's a, I think that's an honest statement. I think he would say the right. same, um, but he, he's been working on something for this year's, you know, show. Uh, a whole new brand release is my understanding. And uh, I don't think he's, has he publicly announced it yet? No, he's kind of hinted it's coming. I know there's a uh, there's an LE he's got as well. He's got he's got several things. It sounds like in in the pipe this year. Yeah, I think he has a lot. So I'm interested. In whatever he, it was, I'm not as interested in the LE stuff. Yeah, he tends to announce just as the he tends to announce like on the eve of the trade shows. Ten, what I've seen with I him over the He's got this. I don't think it's calculated. I think he's just like us. He's small and he's yeah. He's off and it's not like you have people to do anything and. Right. Look, I I still don't even know what the cost of Mickey Rita Block is. I mean, I know it's going to cost more than what the JR version cost because the JR price I set that back in you know 2020 when I agreed to do the project. All right, but I mean, it has none of the broadleaf cost increase in it, and this year's is going to have to have that. There's just no way around it. Um, so, but I'm inter- I'm interested in whatever Nick has up his sleeve. Um, and part of it too is look, uh, last time I was in Nika, I found some of Nick's samples at Gustavo's house. He left there and I just started smoking. Them. <laughs> yeah. So I already, I already have an opinion <laughs> on what I smoke, but he kind of like, he's like, I told him about it. He goes, oh, those weren't the good ones. Don't count. <laughs> so, good <laughs> answer. <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to fake me out because I didn't think they were bad at all, to be honest. With you. I okay. enjoyed the ones I found. So I don't I don't know whether he was just covering or what they were. But look, I'm 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 interested in what Nick's gonna do. Yeah, I gotta go. Um, 
I'm less interested in the big four um, just because they're just not in my face being at the trade show, right? Yeah. So I don't. But really they're releasing them. a lot of stuff. The big, especially there's a lot of releases coming from those companies. Like Generals had a release every week almost this year. Pronounced. I mean, that's how they've been at that yeah, type of it's, trajectory. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I'm interested in whatever uh, uh, Rick Rodriguez has doing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you got to be kind of interested in that. Yep. Um, I wonder is uh, Michael Hurtlots coming with something that I mean I haven't. Again, look, I'm I'm in my I've always say this. I'm in my own little personal hell. You know what I mean? I really, you guys are way more in touch with what's coming down the pike. I just know I go to Half Wheel every couple of days and I got to go two pages deep to see all the announcements that have just happened in the last couple of days. It's like yeah. every single time I go to the website, there's like six new things. And so it, it seems to me like, I mean, maybe it's just a, you know how you have this biased opinion, but it feels to me like every week there's been at least like 10 to 12 things, you know, between your website, their website, you know, all the various sites. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Feels like a lot. It, it, it seems like it, and it seems like it comes in wait in a big wave in late June. The in particular, though, I know one thing you've commented on in regards to this is the amount of new companies. And this year, it seems like there's more new companies than in previous Tons of years. new companies. And do you have any, like, what is driving that? Do you have any clue what's driving that this year? This. And look, I've always been someone that, You don't want to discourage people from following their dreams, right? right? And also, it seems very protectionist when I start talking about how they shouldn't do it, and it's really tough, and it's really miserable, and yada, yada, yada. It's very self-serving to do that, right? Um, but the reality is, look, it's a fight, man. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm really having to grind and really fight to get the success that we're experiencing and that's with all the benefit of the knowledge and the pedigree and the dollars and, you know, understanding branding and strategy and tobacco and all of this. I mean, these guys, man, they got a hell of a climb ahead of them. They really, really do. And the thing that you have to think about is you never go into the only retail shop you go into that has any space is one that's going out of business, right? There's not a single retailer in the country that has a free linear foot in his humidor. So in order for your brand to go in, it means something has to come out. And they're only going to be able to take so much out to put in. And when you get to a certain size, and I think Dunbarton is there now, it was one of the reasons why I went with Stillwell, because I don't really want to give anything up, right? Um, if I release a whole, like next year, if I do decide to do Nikkei Rita Black in four sizes, what that means is that the retailer's probably going to stop giving me as much space for blue and red. Right. They're not going right. to give me four more spaces. They're already giving me, you know, most humidors are giving me somewhere between 12 and 24 facings already. Right. Some even more. They're only going to give you so much. So eventually you even self cannibalize your own lines. And you see this with the big companies. That's the reason why, uh, you know, I don't want to name names. That's for you. Yeah. Well, I don't care. Rocky Patel, Alec Bradley, you know, they, they release all this new stuff, but essentially they're replacing the other stuff from before. You know what I mean? They're not really. I think my father has hit their capacities, how much space they're going to get on the shelf. Right. Right. They may get a little growth here, a little shrinkage there. But at this point, 
it's really about retailers figuring out what SKUs are the best SKUs from my father that I'm going to offer my consumers in my shop. There's a ceiling. You can only get so much space. And that's the thing that I don't think these little companies really understand is they're fighting everybody for this space. And look, my challenge is to fight the big guys. Right. Their challenge is to fight the big guys and to fight people like me and Nicholas. You know what I mean? And if you're a retailer, do you have more faith in unknown brand XYZ from unknown person who just made a new brand? Or do you have more faith in foundation that got the number three cigar of the year and Charter Oak sells really well and Wise Man Maduro's already got a customer base installed and you know what I mean? It's it's they're 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 in for a rude awakening. I'm not saying they're all going to fail, but it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be hard. And and I don't know. And look, the other thing too is, and I think this this hurts us. Retailers' experience with previous small brands sets their viewpoint on what yep. the future is too. Yep. And I think in some ways the short-term success of some of these brands, it, it resonates in the retailers. They go, yeah, you know, I invested in that 10 years ago and yeah, it sold well for two years. And then it kind of like died on the vine. You know what I mean? And yep. uh, so I think retailers, retailers are very judicious about how they allocate their dollars and how much space they're willing to give to let's say boutique or avant-garde or unknown and, you can understand for companies like Dunbarton and Foundation and others in our weight class, we're still really unknown to a lot of, there's a lot of retailers out there that not only the consumers don't know who I am or my cigars, there are retailers that don't know who I am or my company. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a challenge. I mean, what I would say to any of these small brands, this would be my word, honest advice is not to go nationwide to work regionally, work where you can drive your car to, store to store, hand to hand, you know, talk to their customers, talk to the retailer, form a relationship, try to grow something small in your area because going nationwide, that's a, it's a whole different ball game to, to do nationwide distribution and brand support and customer service. I mean, it's a, it's a like, and the poor guy, He's going to see this, but I saw someone was launching a brand and they said, Hey, where can I get a humidor for, you know, the whole 2000 cigars? What are we talking about here? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is just, I mean, it's just, it's a hobby. And it doesn't mean that ultimately he won't do well, but it just shows you that just really no, it's just a lot of learning curve that's got to happen. And they got and they got to fight with people that are much bigger, much smarter, much more experienced. And it's it's a it's a tough road. It's a, it's a it's a lot of work for me. I know people don't think that they think I'm like on easy street. No, the money just rolls in. It's not the way it is. It's it's a grind. It's hard. You did a good job on Dave's show or uh, Cigar Authority earlier this year when you broke down the whole cost of uh, doing a brand. I mean, it's it's you showed it wasn't cheap, and you showed it takes a long time to get into the black. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think, and that's a lot of, for a lot of these people, they can't self-fund and they have investors and partners and, 
they don't want to sit around and not see any return on their money for five to seven years. Yeah. I mean, look, you need five years just to see if you're going to even, you know, not go bankrupt doing it for God's sakes and much less actually make profit. I mean, it's one thing, you know, look, can you buy yourself from your apartment, you know, maybe hit upon something and sell a thousand boxes and make real, there's some profit for you personally and, you know, earn a, earn a little bit of a salary. Yeah. But you can't, you can't, can't grow a brand that way. You can't, you can't reach many consumers. You know, it's, it's a, it's a limiting factor. And that's why I tell these small guys, I think the best strategy is to try to go local first and, you know, grow into their region and then kind of spread out from there because dude, I mean, just, you know, like I did an event in Jersey, right. Recently, you know, it requires three days of travel you know, it requires $220 a night hotel rooms, even though I'm staying in a courtyard with mold in the bathroom. It requires <laughs> the $187 filling of the tank twice. You know what I mean? I mean, I go and do that event. It was a great event. I had a great time. But the retailer doesn't even come close to selling the cigars that it actually costs to do the event. You know what I mean? You, I mean, it's really just a marketing exercise. You know, you're trying to serve support for your retailers. Yeah. You're trying to interact with your customers and your consumers, but there's nothing about doing cigar events that's profitable by any stretch of the imagination. But daily, when you start tossing it, hey, you get this free and you get these extra cigars free and you get, the, you know what I mean? It just, yep. so, I mean, that's all, that's, 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 that's essentially marketing. I mean, you, yeah. you, you can't live on, you can't, you don't live on income from events. Now, what you can do is you can, live on the cash flow from those event sales, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem is then that means you can never stop doing it. You have to literally live on the road nonstop to do the next event, to get the cash flow from that week to then go to the next week. And that's a that's an unsustainable thing too. Cause I mean, I don't care. I don't care how happy go lucky you are. You cannot be fucking, you know, a friar tuck and entertaining you know, 52 weeks a year for five years straight. It's just not physically possible. I mean, it's just, it's not. So that's not a, that's not a workable model in the long term. What you need to eventually happen is you need the brand to catch and you need for it to turn and you need for there to be pull on it. And, and look, it's, it's hard to get there. It really is. Um, I don't even know how you guys are going to cover this. Like, I don't even know all these brand releases. I mean, I don't even know. Are all these companies coming to the trade show? I don't even know. There's a there's an influx coming this year. Um, but I'll be honest, the companies I've been proactively reaching out to haven't been most of these new companies. There's a couple I have. It's just I had to prioritize some stuff. Well, guess what? They're all going to reach out to you. You're just going to have to decide. Some will and some won't. Time. You know, some some get it and some don't. I mean, that's typically how it is. But uh, but again, there's you know, there's a couple. Like we had to make a decision like as a team, I'm not speaking for Aaron, how Aaron's covered, but for how we cover, we had to make a decision. We know we're not going to be able to cover 170 booths like half wheel does. We're not going to try to do that this year. We're going to try to get to the, to the ones we do, you know, the main ones we do, the folks of, uh, you know, we have relationships with build some white space and then, you know, try to get to as many of these gonna, new ones as possible. You're cherry pick some of these things we, that, we don't, we don't that you're going to end up saying, okay, I really want to share this with my audience. Cause I think this is of note or of interest. It, yeah, it's just it's it's a bandwidth and cost issue for us. Like even doing all those videos last year it was costly to do it. it. It was a lot of time. That was the first time we did massive video coverage last year. And 
sometimes I question Steve if it's worth it. I still think the written pieces have more of an ROI for me. Right. Doing it. So I mean, but yeah, you're a word guy, right? Yeah. But we we both like to talk, right? We yeah. were on these things for hours on end, right? right? So we're we're fine with talking. But in the end, you like to write. I've been in from how my Facebook posts are like war and peace. <laughs> I tend to prefer to write. It's the medium that I'm the most yeah. comfortable with. The problem I have is that this generation, the generations younger than us, I don't even know if they can read anymore. Yeah. For God's sake, they can't even they can't even focus on a twenty minute video. I mean, you, you see how popular all of these reels and shorts have become, and I mean, it's just I just I just I just don't have the tits for it, you know, and I don't have the dance moves, and I don't have the charming personality that it takes yeah. to have that kind of engagement. And uh, well, I have the boobs, but they're not, <laughs> they shouldn't have the boobs. Right? It's it, wrong. They're the wrong boobs. Yeah, and uh, you know, and that's look, and, and I gotta tell you, that is something that internally in my brain I've been thinking about. How do I, there are certain brands and certain companies that are really targeting these, um, you know, younger adults, right? Not, not the 21 year olds, but right. that 25, 26 to like 35 year old demographic. Uh, how, do, how do I reach that customer? How do I connect with them when I'm not only 56 years old, but I'm a curmudgeon grumpy 56 year old, right? So, I mean, it's even a harder kind of way to get there. Look, and probably in a lot of cases, it's good that there's probably a retailer buffering me from the consumer in a lot of, you know, personal interaction. It probably works to my advantage in a lot of cases. Um, but you know, look, that's, a, that's an honest question. I mean, yeah, I don't like TikTok. I don't get it. But guess what? I'm not 28. And if this is what they're doing and this is how they're getting their news, uh, no, I, I don't. I don't get to choose. Steve, I'll say this: Cigar Coops had the biggest first five months in the over twelve years of the page views. Oh, so something's so something's Good. clicking, uh, and has been there's been year to year growth every year. But um, this one by far, I don't know what's been triggering it this year. It's been a big year. For, I don't know if we'll sustain it going to the rest of the year. But uh, yeah, it's so now people are. You- are Still I mean, reading it. Aaron, are you feeling I mean, are you feeling a substantial growth with your viewership too? Yeah, we're seeing it as well. Um, like uh just last month is the best month we've ever had, and that beat January, which is typically the yeah. best month we have because yeah. of uh you know scroll oh, the year top list. list, right? Yeah, so uh yeah. Ape, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, it was well, that April was our best yeah. a little, maybe yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe there is hope, maybe people can still read. I don't yeah. know. I mean, we slowed down, Stephen, in in uh March and April because I was doing personal stuff. I mean, we were still publishing, but there wasn't as much content, and the right. group was still there. So I'm still kind of puzzled on it. I haven't been able to put my finger on it yet. Um, but people are still reading, is what I'll say. They they are not. If anyone's saying the blog medium's dead, I'm happy to share numbers and show them uh, reports on that. So well, here's the other thing, and I yeah. think and look, even in your segment, right? Let's consider you guys. God, I don't even know what term do you guys call yourselves. I know it's new media, digital media, but I'm going to, I'm going to coin a separate phrase. Let's call it traditional digital media. Right. Right. Kind of like the, where I would put you guys kind of right. like traditional digital media. You know how many people were playing in that field and then have fallen to the wayside because I don't think most people realize just how much work it actually is. 
Yeah. It's a tremendous amount of work and effort and time to put together all of that content. And I think you're also starting to see that with some of the YouTubers. Uh, they were really hard and fast. And what you see is you see some that have stuck with it and are growing their audiences. But you also see a lot of them that are now kind of falling out of onto the wayside because they've realized that, oh, this is a hill I just don't want to climb. You know, and I, I so yeah. I think you're I think you're starting to see a little bit of thinning even on the YouTube side from what I was seeing just a couple of years ago. And again, maybe it's work, it's work those guys. That's a lot of work what they do. Yeah. I mean, Charlie tracks the YouTube guys way better than I think anyone else. Yep. Right. I mean, so I mean, there's a lot of YouTube reviewers like I've got a habit of where I Google, you know, Steve Saka and Dunbarton tobacco and trust for like just the last 30 days worth of entries you know because i'm just i'm always amazed i'll find somebody i'd never heard of you know doing a review of my cigar either in a blog format or normally in a video format and like wow never never knew they existed you know never knew they were there and uh and that's how i find most of them that way but it's very yeah i'm dependent on the google algorithm right so who knows what it's showing me and not showing me and the video guys are now starting to see other issues as they're having to deal with the platforms a bit, yes. you know, want to even display that content. So like a lot of guys on YouTube got a hit. Um, oh. So they're, not, they're moving to other platforms. Yeah. And those don't have the, those don't have the, right. you know, they're the width. Moving, they're do. moving to what rumble. Is that yeah. What That's kind of what it is, but it's, it doesn't have a very, like you have to go to rumble and look around and rumble. If, if you just go to the rumble, like homepage, you think you just walked into a, a MAGA rally, right. you know, same with honesty. Kind of what, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's tough. And then like, you know, a lot of women want, are doing Instagram stuff now, but I think Instagram's owned by the, you know, is owned by Facebook and all that stuff. And they're, they're le- lessening the, you know, how far that can go now, you know, cutting down on the hashtag stuff. And that's one of the things where I do the written side, you have, a, you have a bit more control over your content. Well, because in the end you own yeah. the website, you own the yeah. Yeah, right. whether you're using yeah. WordPress or something else yeah. to publish with is irrelevant. Right, it is physically yours, and I mean that's kind of where what, kind of where the dojo guys are, right? Yep, yep. I mean, yep. I mean their app was doing wonderfully well, and then they get sidelined by Apple, right? And it forces them to go to this alternative, you know, their own platform. I'm sure they're yeah. happier having their own, but yeah, let's not kid ourselves. Their growth numbers would have been way better at this point. Had they been sure. allowed to stay in the Apple app, universe, oh, yeah. right? They just simply yep. would have because it's that basic concept of fishing where the fish are. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, no, and I think this is a, this is a real, I think this is a real challenge. And the other thing too, that's just so upsetting about it. And this is where I really can understand how these people feel is they put so much time. And it, it's a shame. It really is. All of that content. Yeah. And then they just literally lose it. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's crazy to yeah. me. And it's one of their, look, it's one of the reasons why I've been very, I, I never, like I can talk, I could do a YouTube channel, right? Well, you want to learn how to smoke a cigar? Why don't you learn it from me? Yeah. You want to learn how to cut a cigar? Why don't you learn it from me? You want to learn why you have these burn issues? I can talk about these burn issues probably far more effectively than 99% of the people to do these things. Now, I don't know that I'd be entertaining enough. I don't know that I'd be dynamic enough, um, but I've always been reluctant to do it because you just, you have no control. 
And, and I'm a company that I do a lot of my social media is a big component. Now, granted, mostly Facebook more than anything else, but it is a big component to how we get the word out. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't uh, and look, it's, it's, it's very disconcerting because I don't look, we're, we're guests in their home, right? They, I guess they've never told us they were going to give us anything that ever promised us this or that. I mean, we all signed those terms of service agreements that are 18 pages long. Yep. That it doesn't matter what it says or doesn't say, because if you don't click yes, you don't get to use it. It's just that simple. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. Uh, I just saw something in the chat. JR's site was taken down? Oh, not site. The YouTube channel was taken down? Yes. What happened? I, that's the first I'm hearing of that. Uh, you know, I think there was a bit of a, you know, promoting the sale of tobacco, which was the big no-no. Right. So they, yeah, they got. Yeah, that's the, that's where this has been a problem. I'm not saying it's the only problem because I think eventually all of us are going to get hit by this. So. so why, why is a Brian Glenn taking down? I like, I don't watch all his videos, so I yeah. don't know, but was he <sighs> actually actively selling or, or Kevin Shahan? I mean, I think it's, are, we, are we not, are we just by having the conversation engaged in the promotion of cigars yeah. and tobacco the fact that i say this is a really great cigar i'm smoking and i love it it's the half wheel number two consensus cigar of the year everyone should try it i mean is that is that the part that says okay we got to ban this they can yeah. make whatever decision they want based on yeah that. so if they right. say yes and that, yes and that's yeah. the, point. the fact that you have the year the rap background the fact right. that he has the perdomo background yep. that's promoting a brand the fact that he runs it, the it, ads for his sponsors yep. that he needs yep. to fund his program yeah. I mean, is that what is that what sinks? I mean, where is this dividing line? It, it it really isn't clear, and I think you know, I, I don't think there's been any consistency with the way these guys have been targeted. Um, and and Steve, you're right; these guys put a lot of effort and 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 resources and money into this content. Some of these guys mm-hmm. who have really, you know, Brian has been doing this a long time. Um, I mean, the key thing is, will the audience follow him over to? the other platform and i think that's the challenge and i, well, I think his don't... core audience will follow him the yeah problem yeah. is how do you grow your audience right yeah if yeah because you're but... not in the place that dude i go to youtube all the time and put something in the search box that i'm interested in right i i put it in today because i want to know how to nudge something in smaller increments in illustrator um, I saw something about a particular watch that I was interested in. So I go to YouTube and I type the brand name of the watch to see if any of the watch guys have reviewed yeah. it or put it up on display yet. And while I'm there, I happen to see something about, you know, the 15 most embarrassing moments for women news anchors. Like, oh, let me watch that. And that leads <laughs> me to something uh, on the side that yeah. talks about, you know, oh, carp fishing in the Amazon. And I click on the carp fishing in the Amazon. I mean, you know how that rabbit hole works and, if you're not in there, how do people find you if you're on Parlor or Rumble or all of these other services? Now, look, this is where YouTube was in the beginning, right? YouTube, yeah. you know, I don't even know how old YouTube is. It feels like it's been forever, but it's got to be, what, 12 years old, 13 yeah. years old? Oh, yeah. Yeah, at least, maybe even 15. I mean, where Parlor or these other Rumble or all these other ones, are, <coughs> that's where YouTube started, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's not like, look, MySpace had an advantage over Facebook. And Facebook had an advantage over Instagram. And so trends change, right? And, yep. And I don't know, is Snapchat the next big takeover? Is it TikTok? Is it something we haven't even heard of yet? Yeah. I mean, you, you don't know what's going to become the popular medium 
for these audiences. I mean, yeah. I mean, all, all I can say is what I've done is I've diversified a lot of platforms. Uh, and YouTube actually is not one of the bigger cigar coop platforms. It's never been that. So, I mean, ours is primarily downloads. Uh, we're download podcasts. So, you know, we depend on the subscribers. But if or Apple the podcast did, and the video cast, because I mean. Right. But if Apple decided to take five, us down, we're screwed. Yeah. I mean, you do not need to watch any of the three of us to get the flavor of the program. No, I mean, our <laughs> audio does. Right, it's a verbal. The audio does about three times the, the numbers that the video does on downloads right. too. Yeah, so it, it, the audio does real big numbers for us because we find and I find people put the put it on in the car. Well, like I said that's where I listen to most of them is when I'm in the truck driving. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have time to watch it on my computer very often. Yeah. So I'll I'll go yeah. when I'm in the truck and I'll stream yeah. it in the truck as I'm driving. Yep. Yeah. That's how I listen to most of it. Yeah. Still, you got to find it. Yeah. It's got to be on Podbeam. It's yeah. got to be on podcast. It's got to be a place that you're spot on. It's got to be some place that you're used to going. Yeah. If it's yeah. if it's on Rumble, I don't even know. Can you stream Rumble in your car? I haven't even looked yet. I mean, you could uh with a Wi Fi with a, with a you know. Well, yeah, look, we all have we all have high bandwidth internet for the most Yeah, I mean, yeah. so you could. I mean, um I know, you know, you know, you, you could, but I mean the it's just it's getting the mindset of people to go to another platform, and I don't think it's there yet. Like, and it's really important. Like, if these folks that you love are being taken down, be, please follow the, these people to these other platforms uh, that are going to be more friendly. I mean, that's really going to be the best hope here. Uh, they can't survive if you guys don't follow them and, and support and them on those platforms. Ask, I mean, will the current platforms, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, will they even allow you to pimp the new platform? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a valid point. Yeah. And you know, and look, I don't understand. Look, I uh, Terrence Riley on Facebook posted a picture of him stealing a little Sasquatch in a store, right? This is a joke picture of him doing kind of like the right. sneaky villain and carrying right. it out of the store kind of thing. And and I just posted a comment in cap letters with a sticker that said, "All looters will be shot." Right? Oh, it no. was obviously a sarcastic comment in response to the funny picture that Terrence put up. It netted me a seven-day ban off Facebook. Wow. Wow. Right? Uh, and yet, at the same time, we got another guy that holds up pictures of dead cats in bags and shoots up a school, and he posts all sorts of really hateful stuff all the time, and that guy can post endlessly with no repercussions at all. So, I mean, it makes – it's just hard to even understand, uh, you know, I mean, even when something is obviously contextually a joke and sarcastic and – yeah, but it gets picked up as oh, I'm promoting violence. So here you go, Saka. You get a seven day Facebook ban. You know, yeah. and that's also part of it. It's just so arbitrary. Yep. No, it's true. I had a question going back to the whole question we we're talking about with the new companies, and and for you, um, who is like, how are these cigars being made? Like who's making these cigars? If I'm hearing still of back order problems and just keeping up with, with one's own brands, what's driving I think the this factories season? are already starting to come out of their back order. Okay, so you think it's you think that that's that's been relieved? I, yeah, I think I think they've already realized they produce too much. But but someone like assuming they run at a certain capacity, right? Here's the other thing: you got to understand that probably mostly small brands. They're lucky if they're making five thousand cigars, right? You know what I mean, it's like. A, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, we'll squeeze that in yeah. and it's two hours. Let us take care of this. And yeah, out. I mean, it's uh, so I, I think that because I mean, look, as a consumer, 
brand brand new X doesn't look any different than brand Y, right? They get the same yeah. press release. They get the same pretty box photo. They get the same description of cigars, but the actual volume of cigars are really, really quite small. I mean, very, very few of these uh, jobbed brands start off with much more than five to 10,000 cigars. Yeah. And Steve, it's interesting because I look at like, there's, if I look at the ranking of companies by readership on Coop, like the top 20 have almost 75% of the, of the, of the total audience. Well, like they already own 75% of the market. Yeah, that's there's a I, huge, so, I saw that top 20 list and I looked at that. And I go, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's no, it, it didn't. I mean, it that's, was that's, uh, that's just in line with, yeah. I mean, look, uh, for every Dunbarton tobacco and trust that gets smoked, a thousand out to this, whatever's get smoked, right? Yeah, I mean, it's but, just simply, it's just simply yeah, the way yeah. it is. That's where that's where the vast majority of consumers yeah. are. Yeah, it's interesting. You're like the 20th red company on my website. Which for a company you want you, you went to market in 2015, that's pretty damn good. I would say I it's pretty it's damn good. I think yeah, I think yeah. The average consumer would look at it and go, I can't believe Don Martin's so low, right? They, they would, yeah. But again, I think the, but again, they don't really understand right. the business and the yeah. distribution. And look, uh, yeah. look at how many hundreds of thousands of consumers every month receive the big box catalogs. Yeah, you no, know, you don't. I mean, I, I don't know that Dunbarton's been featured in a big box catalog more than three or four times in the last five years on a page. You know what right. I mean? Yep. I mean, it's like every once in a while I'll get that little square at the back, you know, where they'll list like four of my SKUs, you know. And hey, if you buy anything you buy on this page, we're gonna give you like a free uh, whatever golf yep. towel. Here you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's uh, so. I I don't think that uh, that that's the thing with. I think that's the thing with the guys that I don't think that we who follow social media and the digital media and all that, we have a skewed view yes. of what the market actually truly right. ultimately is. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm eating, I'm yeah. eating none of these big companies lunch. I'm just trying to nibble on the crumbs that they're dropping off the edge yeah. of the table, hoping that eventually I'll get fat enough that I can work my way up. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Abe uses the term Facebook cigars and yeah. Facebook. And in a lot of that, that's the case. Um, I think in your case, you're you're stronger than probably most companies with seven years old, if not the strongest. Um, I think you would have strong highest think, ranked company. I think probably yeah. arguably we're right now the strongest right now. Yeah. Um, but that could change next yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, I think and look. It's like it's hard to even say, I mean, what is my weight class? Is Am I in the same weight class as Southern Draw? Am I in the same weight class as Kristoff? Am I in the same weight class as yeah. Roma? Am I in the same weight class as Foundation? I mean, am I in the same weight class as Fiero Tiago? I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Michael. Um, you know, what, what, what is it? Where is El Septimo? Septimo, yeah. Septimo? I mean, do they fit into this mix? I mean, where is Warped and Viaje and Caldwell and you know what I mean? It's, yeah. a, it's a crowded, crowded field. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I look at how crowded our universe is. I think, I mean, I think we have a shot this year to actually get to La Florida Minicana size. I think we're the old La Florida Minicana. I don't know how many cigars are going to produce this year, but where they've kind of been for the last, you know, three, four years. I think, I think we're on a glide path for that. Um, which I'm really ecstatic about, but it, it's not, you know, it's not surprising when I went to that fact, it's a small fact when you see, they only could do so much out of that fact. 
Yeah. It's not a big factory at all, like you would think. Yeah, I just, um, I mean, you're, you, I mean, ultimately, what your job, what you're ultimately shooting for, is to become part of a consumer's rotation. Yep, that's what you've always. That's always the goal, is to get a consumer that likes brulee enough, or likes BK Rita enough, or likes Umagug enough that it's something they smoke on the regular, right? So, I mean, you guys are never going to smoke anything on the regular. You guys have to, I mean, you smoke so much for media work related that you're kind of forced to bounce around. Yeah. Um, you know, most we don't have, we're not the, we're not the good usage pattern is what I would tell people. Yeah. You just, you can't be, and I'm yeah. not a good usage pattern either because I'm pretty much smoking all of my own crap. Yeah. Right. So I don't have a good pulse on the industry either as to what, where it's moving. But what I do see is, I do see what's getting shelf space. I do see what retailers are saying is turning for them. I do see the general buzz factor online. You know what I mean? How many photos are being posted of a particular brand? Um, and that's always a good indicator as to what's going. What are you lighting now? Oh, uh, the English. The English. Okay. Yep. You know, so, um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, yep. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I, I think, I feel, I feel as though we're on the path to becoming an established player. I feel that we're on that. I feel that we're on that road. Um, but I think we're still probably five years away from really like, okay, this is going to work out. Yeah. And look, ultimately, I think FDA right now is kind of looking a little okay for us as a handmade cigar industry with a few exceptions you know the flavored segment obviously is a a big question but yep. look this flavor thing i mean we we had very shallow pockets to fight uh the flavor guys they got mega pockets and now you got big tobacco in it too so i mean the the legislative and the legal push that these companies are going to make I don't even care what any administration does in the short term. I think we're looking at five to seven year window before we even maybe get to an answer on this flavor thing. I think the problem is going to be, what do you do with all the local municipalities that keep passing these yeah. local bands at the you know city yeah. town, county kind of level? I, I think that's it as an industry. We, I know it's tough to fight these local ones, but I think we failed at that very early on. And a lot of these got through. And then some big markets started falling. You just, you know, Los Angeles went down with it. I mean, yeah. I think that's been a, so I think they got behind the eight ball that much like, well, tobacco 21, the industry didn't even fight. Right. Like but they just laid down and let it happen. The thing is, you know, yeah. for the most part as a cigar, I can't speak for the cigarette yeah. guys and the snooze guys, and, yeah. but it, and the handmade cigar guy side, why do we care about under 21? I mean, even our young consumers are not typically 21. You know, most most people really start getting into handmade cigars in their 30s. You know, yeah. Is there that exception, that guy that got into it while in college? Uh, like me, I got into it young because I was enlisted in the Navy, right? But right. how many people enlist the Navy when they're 17, right? It's not, you know, and even then I wasn't smoking them at 17. It was still, I was 19. I was, I already was on a ship before I really started to smoke cigars. So um, I don't think the 21... And I know that like certain retailers like Dave Garofalo is that never give up an inch, fight for everything, blah, blah, blah. But 
it was just kind of one of these fights that's like, why are we fighting this? Why, yeah, why my, do we want to spend money to it could have been protect an age of consumer that yeah. is never going to smoke a product anyway? At a minimal effort, they could have put posted the half wheel articles making people aware that this was going on because most people were caught by surprise with with the whole federal thing a couple of years ago when it happened. A lot of people were just blindsided by it. I can tell you that. I got emails, you know, on my website. Here's the funny part. Yeah, the most people of the didn't realize states it. had already gone to 21 before the federal government. There was did. about yeah, there was almost half of the states were already at that point. Yeah, but yeah, people I, didn't realize I, it. But people I didn't realize like it. 30 of the states were already at 21, and yeah. I think like 12 of the other states had it pending. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think, uh, look, I think you're kind of, and we can have this debate, but I think we're probably going to see uh, guns go that way too. I think we're going to end up with a an age 21 marker. On, on on firearm purchases i don't know if it's going to be a result of the current climate but you can already see that that's kind yeah. of where it's trending, something yeah yeah right? it's where it's heading and i don't and i don't know i don't even know if the gun industry would fight that because you go back to the same thing guns are expensive for god's sakes you know 19 year olds the number of 19 year olds that actually buy these firearms there's so few of them that have the jack to even do it right I mean, it's just it's it's, it's kind yeah. of one of those things. So I I wouldn't be surprised that there wouldn't actually be much pushback on that issue. Uh, but I could be wrong. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people watching this that are like super, you know. Look, I'm a gun owner. I definitely believe in the Second Amendment. But I mean, you see the trend line. Yeah. And I don't and I don't know that the industry will actually fight that. Um, the problem is, look, that slippery slope argument. There is some value to it. It is real. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't we don't want to find ourselves like I think the most I think the most concerning bands to me are the ones that I see happening like I think it's New Zealand where they basically say, okay, the age to buy tobacco products is 18 up until 2026. And then in 2026 it then becomes 19. Yep. And in 2027 it becomes 20. And essentially what ends up happening is they're saying, okay, if you're 12 years old now, fine, you're going to be okay. But there's going to get to a point where there will never be allowed to have a new buyer of the yeah. product because yeah. every year they're just going to raise the age by one year. Um, and the people who do like, well, fuck everyone else. Right. I, I, I get to buy my cigars. I get to buy my whatever. And Hey, I don't, I don't care about the person that's 26. That's their problem. Yeah. And I think I, that will be hard in the U.S. for it to happen, though. I, I think it's think harder be, because of the way. Be, I think there would be a lot of. I think there would be a lot of challenges. Yeah, legally. The food, yeah, the Food and Drug Cosmetic Act is, is written in such a way that it doesn't ban tobacco entirely. So that's where I think you're going to see the, the legal challenges. If someone tried to do that, I think it would be challenged in court for Look, sure. And I don't know that these laws that are getting passed, and and I think it's New Zealand, and somebody out there can correct me if I'm wrong. It's like there's like three different countries around the world that have enacted this kind of proposal or yeah. like seriously considering it. Yeah. I don't know if they survive the court challenges in those countries either, to be honest with you. But I do find it a very insidious way to create a 100 percent tobacco ban. It's just going to basically take 80 years. Right. Yeah. Until everybody eventually, because at some point you're going to be 79 years old in order to buy a tobacco product yep. under, that, under that formula. So I find I find that a very insidious sneaky and gotta admire him it's somewhat brilliant to be <laughs> gotta give credit where credit's due it's it's a pretty it's a pretty sneaky way of going yeah. about things yeah. you know 
Yeah. But ultimately, and I've always said this, smoking, drinking, gambling, drugs, and fucking, these are five things that people are going to do. So it doesn't matter what the government says, right, right. how they regulate it. It doesn't matter how they tax it. I mean, it's going to affect the channels. It's going to affect, you know, this, but these five things, human beings are just going to keep doing, right? We know that there's, I mean, uh, the whole prohibition concept is a failed concept. Um, I think that the, I, I think that the education part of it's had a much more significant impact, but I don't even know where the education part of it falls, particularly in our current trend. When you look at the acceptance of the, the THC culture, so it just seems so hypocritical that, I mean, the same libertarian viewpoint that allows you to say, okay, soft drugs are okay, then why isn't tobacco okay? You know what I mean? I, I find it a very hard uh, philosophical discussion to really wrap my brain around. And guess what? I guarantee you, I won't live to see it, but 30 years from now, you're going to have the same thing. The upsurge that we see in dispensaries and legalization is going to start to hit massive challenges because it's a combustible. It definitely has some sort of health impact, some positive, some negative. We can all have those debates, but you know, this is going to come up some again in the future. It's the way the cycle is always, right? So it is with alcohol. It's the way it is with everything. That's true. All right. I think what we should do, because I've, I've I actually have to... a question I want to. Okay, go ahead. go ahead. And so we've all, every podcast I've been on, I appreciate you guys not asking me about it, but I mean, every podcast I've been on recently is wanting to know my opinion of the munchies. Okay. And where it Why? Lex, <laughs> and just my perspective on the flavor and the packaging and all of this. Yeah. And yeah. We'll give you the. Uh, I think we'll we could all agree that this has been beat to death in the media right it's it's been overbeat to death for such a small release in my opinion right so here's my yeah. question yeah. to you i have seen no negative coverage or any coverage really talking about stg's release of fireball a cigar that is labeled as a cinnamon flavored cigar so oh, i and look, and I know, I mean, you guys don't talk about it because STG is a big player. STG is a sponsor. I'm not talking about you guys individually. I'm just talking about the media uh -huh. as a whole. I see the fervor that has gone in this conversation about the Munchies product. Why does STG get a pass on the cinnamon thing with the fireball? I mean, how are these two things different? I mean, how, I, I, I don't get that at all. How can there be nothing but a focus on A, but then no conversation about but, B. Yeah. I'll, I can answer that personally. Munchies wasn't covered on Cigar Coop. And neither was the Fireball. So I right, made I'll, give you, I'll give you That's two better. Me. I'll give you two better answers. Yeah. And Aaron's going to give me a different, but I'm just saying that was the, so, so there's a consistency there, despite the, the owner of Munchies who's been on my ass saying I haven't covered it, but I, I didn't cover Fireball either. Go look at the website on Coop. But Aaron, I think, go ahead. I think one of the things is that like everything kind of culminated with munchies and like everybody lost their shit over munchies. Yep. And then yep. after that, it's pretty much like, oh, everybody else is going to do it. So we've already set our piece on it. And uh, then they just keep their mouth shut about anything yep. that comes after it. Yep. 
I think that's one thing. Yeah. The second uh, thing that you can look at is the packaging. One is munchies looks like something that a kid would go pick up. The fireball thing is kind of based off of something that's already an adult product. And whether you want to say that because it's flavored, it can lead to kids. I get that, but it's, you know, it's based off of an, another adult product, which is a whiskey. So I think those, those two things could play into yeah, it a bit. Whiskey? Yeah. So fireball whiskey, it's is fireball whiskey. Yeah. Flavored whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this is based off of. It's yeah. just, uh, it's Don't just you a, find it really weird that the one, I mean, there's some podcasts that still bring up munchies on a weekly basis. It's, it's and yet I'd never yeah. hear anybody discuss fireball. Yeah. And look, maybe by me even raising it, maybe I find out tomorrow that my friends at CI say, well, don't give sock any more orders. But they may say I mean? they may cut me off. And there's, is there a right to cut me off I mean, if I didn't cover uh, it? But yeah. I mean, and look, I take a very libertarian view on this. Look, I don't agree with it with either. I think both are problematic. I, 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 I think that I think that I think for the everybody that's I have talked to that smoke munchies says it's quite they're good. The cigars yeah. themselves. I wonder had it been done a little bit more stealth that he would have actually, yeah. you know, been in this. Yeah. Look, I, we can have this conversation about Stillwell. Yeah. Where does aromatic fit in, right? I, I is that flavor ban? Is that not flavor ban? Because like one of the things I looked at the Los Angeles thing that just got passed. Nowhere does it mention pipe tobacco in any of that conversation. It talked about shisha. It talked about flavored cigars. But it didn't, I can't find anything that actually talks about pipe tobacco. So maybe there's someone out there that's more informed. I haven't, I haven't actually read the, I've only read the reports. I haven't actually read the, what was actually passed. Right. You know what I mean? But that was the first thing I'm like, well, where does pipe tobacco fit in this conversation? You know, and then, and then it gets even stickier. I mean, so like the state of Massachusetts required us all to fight. If we import cigars to the state of Massachusetts, we were required to file an affidavit as to what we manufacture that is not flavored. So every company had to list their products. Well, I know certain companies took some products that are definitely flavored and they just listed them as non-flavored. Okay. Because they know that this is just going to become a legal fight regardless. I mean, that's where this is all heading in the long run anyways. And I mean, I, I just find that really interesting that Munchies gets all this talk and it's from such a small little player that is really not significant. And I'm sorry, Risty, that I'm putting it that way. But I mean, just in the grand scale of things, but yet and that's you have this massive company yeah. that owns huge market yeah. share. And yeah. bam, here we have a cinnamon flavored cigar. All right. So, Steve, let me let me kind of frame. It actually says cinnamon on the package, too. Yeah. Like, like I said, we didn't cover it. We didn't cover. I didn't cover that on Coop. So I'm just speaking. I'm trying to be consistent here. I, I, I made the call on that. A lot of people disagree with me on it. So STG can cut me off if they, if they don't like it. You know, I'll figure another way to cover them. Yeah. Let me just kind of frame something for you, Steve. Aaron, do you remember when that press release came out for Munchies? It was on a Saturday? Yep. When did you put up that press release? Saturday. When, and Charlie's article came out on the following Tuesday. Mm-hmm. There was not one person saying peep about this, okay, for three days. Right. It, it, there was no talk about this until Charlie's article came out. So I guess the question I should be asking is – No, there was, I said, there was no – I'm just saying people weren't talking about this. They had plenty of time to talk about 
I guess it's kind of like when I did my little Facebook thing about the Chinese finger trap, right? Nobody was talking about it until I ended up trying to stick my dick into yeah. the mask. And, and Steve, actually, it's interesting. You, I want to bring that up with you tonight. Yeah. Oh, finger wow. trap. Because you beat the crap out of me about that, like, of, of several years ago. However, I, I have said this publicly, at least in my opinion, I think the narrative's changed a lot since then. And now I'm seeing certain things that could jeopardize me as a media brand. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to that's why I've made a decision to kind of frame that coverage. And the other thing I'll say is I actually was vocal back in November when I reviewed a candy cane cigar that I questioned, why am I reviewing a candy cane cigar? Because, um, was it a candy cane or you mean a barber pole called a candy it was a barber pole. It was a Yahi candy cane. I'm, I'm a big, okay. Oh, it's called candy cane. Yeah. Got it. And I, the decision was made at that point, uh, my brand that that was not going to be the focus anymore. And, uh, so I was pretty public on that back in, in, in November. Um, I think I even talked about it on the show and I wrote about it in the review. So now if I went back to finger trap today, I, I it would not be on there. I mean, I'm just, I'm being completely honest. I've changed my opinion on it. Cause I was adamant seven years ago, fighting you back on that. I, I remember that. Look, I, I've always been, I've been of the same viewpoint, but look, you're talking to the guy that was, you know, party to making millions of acids and tobacco mm-hmm. specials. So it's certainly not. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the glass house with everybody else, yeah. right? I mean, it's, uh, it's one of these things. And, and and like I said, you could make the conversation about wh- where does an aromatic stillwell fit into the mix yeah. of all of this too. I think that's a legitimate conversation. Steve, let me ask a question on this. So do you have another, is the substantial equivalence playing to this? Mm-hmm. So is that something like if they, if they don't want the grandmother? Here's what gets really weird. You know, part yeah. of this is why I, you know, partnering with Cornell and Deal, um, they have STN grandfathered numbers on all of these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. Oddly enough, the way these pipe tobacco blenders are, they literally make eight bazillion blends, right? I mean, they're literally, oh, you know, yeah. 10% of this, 5% of that, 11% of this, 6% of that. You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy. There's like nothing they haven't made, you know, in some form or fashion. Um, so, I mean, part of the part of the concept was that, hey, here I'm working with pipe tobacco. Pipe tobacco is very fuzzy. Um, I don't think the FDA has really figured out what they're doing, right. yet, but they have, you know, they, but a lot of it's grandfathered in and that's part of my logic. Now, whether that makes a difference when, if we ever get back to the substantial equivalency discussion, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I filed my ingredient disclosures because we're still legally obligated to do that, even though the FDA isn't enforcing it. I don't think any of these new brands that are launching are filing their ingredient disclosures like they're supposed to but it's not like the fda it seems like they're just kind of yeah. like file 13 yeah. those right now but i still submitted them and i put the pipe tobaccos that are in the product in the disclosure and i listed them and they acknowledged receipt of it and i moved on my merry way but uh i i ultimately don't know and that's one of the reasons why and look for me look, if stillwell star has to you know be sacrificed then it does i'm I'm at the behest of the big companies on this issue, right? right. I, I, I have no way to fight it. I have no inclination to fight it. I have a personal viewpoint that, look, it's an adult product. 
what individuals choose to put in their mouth is their own business, whether it comes to your sexual orientation or whether it comes to what cigars you smoke, it's your mouth, do what you want with it. As long as we're selling it to an adult audience and as long as we're packaging it in a way that is evident that we're not. And I think Stillwell Star is very clearly not something that is targeted at a, yeah. a youth style audience. Um, um, but that's my take on it. Yeah. You know, but who am I to say that, uh, I mean, somebody, what, Aldino just made the candy bar thing again, uh, I think for two guys smoke shop, right? Um, something that was similar, like you said, yep. I had their candy cane. We've got STG with their cinnamon sticks. We got Rusty with his munchies. I mean, it, but with my view, it's a packaging issue. It's a presentation issue. I'm not against I, covering flavors or anything like that. I think, look, and we same with Chinese finger trap going we, forward. We came, yeah. we came to that realization when I was at Drew relatively young. I mean, we started stripping out all the food terms. Yeah. We started changing cold infusion tea, just became cold infusion. infusion yep. Right. Well, we, yeah. we made that decision to extract the yeah. word tea. Yeah. Off the off the well, packaging, yeah. You know, we, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we started. Look, when I, I was very careful when I did the filing for brulee. I know that for some people, brulee instantly they go to creme brulee, right? I know that that's where their heads go, but right. it's not actually, what the word brulee even means? Brulee means burnt. It's a French term that used to be to describe the forest areas that had burned, right? And right. Then it kind of extended to when. They would then torch something. The thing that's the most famous, obviously, is creme brulee. That's the one that we're the most familiar with. Um, but, you know, you, you, you try to navigate this in a way um, that makes sense. But, yeah, I think, I think ultimately for the FDA, I think this argument about flavors and characterizing flavors, I think it's a really hard discussion. It's, Look, when I was at yeah. Drew Estate, Maine passed a flavor ban, right? And we, as a company, we actually submitted acid to be tested by a blind panel appointed by the state of Maine. They had like four tasters to determine whether acid had a characterizing flavor. And what they ultimately decided was that it did not. They're like, yeah, it has a flavor. Yeah, it's really strange. It's really different. We don't know what it is, but we can't say it's chocolate. We can't say it's vanilla. We can't say it's cherry. We can't say it's this. You know, and they ultimately decided in the state of Maine with this panel and their rules and their thing that no acid was fine. You know what I mean? And and, and I think I, I think that this, this is why I think that the packaging of it is probably the more critical element to the FDA. I think that how things are branded actually makes more import than the fact that maybe it does taste like coffee. Yeah. I, I think I think yeah I think you're right on that. I agree with that. And I think I mean you even saw in the the NASM report how much did they focus on just the way there were you know cigar groups and channels that you know promoted cigars even though they in the NASM report admitted that they were directed towards an adult audience. Yeah, were, obviously. But what if they started doing this for younger? Right? It was kind of their like yeah yeah. You know, it was their slippery slope argument, right. right? Yeah. What they don't understand, or maybe they do understand, is we have no reason to target that demographic because they don't have any damn money. You know what I mean? Uh, handmade cigars, yeah. even cheap handmade cigars, are too expensive for for the 18-year-old or much less the 16-year-old. You know what I mean? And we as an industry, I mean, and this is where you can get into the argument about the two stand-up cases in the convenience store gas station. 
you know, uh, but I mean, I mean, nobody does a better job at age verification than the traditional brick and mortar shops and these big box companies, they spend a lot of money on that age verification. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, I mean, they, 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 they really, they, I mean, it's in their best interest. So I I think as an industry, we're very proactive about trying to limit youth access, but also we know that youth access doesn't buy us a customer. We're not in a type of market where, Oh, we got to get them addicted young so that they then buy, you know what I mean? That, yep. that isn't, we're, we're not in the addiction business. I mean, even a guy like me that smokes eight, 10 cigars a day, I, I got pneumonia earlier this year. I didn't smoke a cigar for three weeks. Did I miss it? Yeah, I missed it, but I didn't, I wasn't like jonesing like, Oh my God, I got to have a cigar. You know what I mean? And even a guy with my heavy usage pattern wasn't being affected. Now, of course I'm an anecdotal piece of you know evidence and, I don't really count because I'm biased because I'm in the industry, but I think we all know it isn't the same. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't say we all know, but I mean, I think most, I think most consumers of handmade cigars do recognize the difference. Um, but yeah, I think it is more about a packaging branding messaging. Yeah. That was kind of where I was going with it. Yeah. But here's the thing that gets really into first amendment issues, right? And Altria won a huge court case that allowed us to, you know, that said the federal government couldn't say, yeah. you know, that we couldn't change our font or that we couldn't display our brands and that and that the FDA couldn't cover a third of our boxes with these arbitrary warning labels that there was no scientific evidence of. And and I think that uh, and I think the and I'll tell you a perfect I mean, you know that the NASM report was not good for the anti-industry because the antis, whenever these reports come out of the government. They're always quick to cherry pick and megaphone the part of these reports yeah. that work to their perspective or point of view. Not a single one of these organizations, you know, Tobacco Free Kids of America, American Cancer, not a single one of them was there a peep about the NASM report, right? Because they knew that the NASM report just basically said, yeah, there's something different about cigars. It requires a lot more study, but it isn't the same, right? right. I mean, I, I know a lot of people, they, when they initially read the NASM report, they're like, oh my God, this is terrible. But then when you actually read it and you actually started to dig into it, you're like, wow, this is kind of exactly what we've been saying. And this is being written by 10 people that hate us, you know? And even they were kind of like, yeah, you know what? The data we have available to us, the, the mini FDA study, monograph number nine, they don't show there being a health thing. The actuarials don't. There's this, there's that. The only thing they kind of targeted on them was the marketing. Even the examples they gave in the marketing, they even had to admit they were all targeted or generated with the concept of true adult consumers. So I think the NASA, I think the NASM report ultimately ended up being a good thing for us as an industry. Agree. All right. What I want to do is uh, round the commercial break, and then right after that, we'll we'll do the ice tray giveaway because I know people are waiting. But I'm gonna make them hear the commercials first. Turn <laughs> <laughs> so, that bag. I'm not I'm that kind of guy. <laughs> you have to man. It's gotta be paid for. Yeah, there you go. But that, but we'll do it right after the commercial. So, <laughs> all right. So I want to mention uh, J.C. Newman Cigar Company. 
Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 126 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District in Tampa, Florida. At this factory known as Elver Hole, J.C. Newman loves premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines. The J.C. Newman Pencil Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's a Brickhouse, Polo del Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by tobacco lawyer A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas, cigars has, Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars with many industry leaders out of their Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line in Connecticut, Habano, Maduro, La Mandaria, the Patrimonio, as well as the Cuevas Reserva line. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars from our Casa de Yours. And by Aventura Cigars. Aventura Explorer is the first creation by Marcel Noble and Henderson Ventura. Immediately after lighting up the Explorer, the Mexican wrapper will delight the aficionado with its dark chocolate flavor. After a while and pleasure, the Dominican filler will flatter the aficionado's palate with wonderful spicy and leathery aromas and unite it with the wooden sweetness from Ecuador. Try Aventura to explore and explore the wonderful experience. And we've been doing this all night, but we're doing uh, industry deliberations and uh, our industry talk deliberation segments, always sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. And there's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included seven consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Corita Tricky Traca. You can visit DTC Cigars. Dot com to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton, Tobacco, and Trust. So, Steve, we got an ashtray giveaway tonight. We you do. want to throw that ashtray to folks? Yeah, let me let me let me hold that sucker up. Yep, the actual ashtray here. Yeah, this will this will be the one right here. It's a super pretty one. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about these is, and I was commenting on this before we started the show, the ones that are super colorful like this, they're not as dense, so it actually feels much lighter, almost kind of almost kind of featherly, you know what I mean? For yeah. being stone. Um, the ones that are like, more, the more solid white they are, the more dense the stone is and the heavy. I mean, like literally the white ones weigh twice as much as the, the pretty pink, purple, red ones. So, and actually, I don't know. I kind of like the whiter ones personally better, but it's natural stone. So it's really kind of a box of chocolate situation. But the one that we're actually going to give away tonight is this really pretty kind of purple, pink, um mavi it's got a lot of character it's a it's a gorgeous ashtray they are and uh, it's got the little dunbarton logo i don't even know if i can get the camera to that was the coolest thing i saw in that ashtray is how you got the, the, the logo was i actually, didn't they did i mean that was that came out good though i i think it's actually the most impressive part when you figure that they do it all by hand how they did that is just yeah. incredible all right so we're going to give one away. Now, Aaron, do you want to do the question? I have one. If not, go ahead. All right. How uh, you guys can you guys can veto the question if it's too easy. M make it hard. Make it hard. Yeah, because we got a bunch of guys that are have been sitting in here. I think the only reason they're here is for the ashtray. They certainly want to hear me prattle on about <laughs> industry nonsense. Jeez, <laughs> oh, how hard can I make this? I had an easy one. Now I got to make it harder. Yeah. All right. 
All right. All right. You you guys can veto this question. What was what was the what was the second regular production line released by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust? Well, that's easy. That's too easy. You want me to make it harder? I mean, come on. How can you how can you mess that up? All right. That's not been approved yet, guys. So don't answer that. Yeah. How about this? Okay. How many sober Mesa SKUs were released in the initial first year of 2015? There you go. And there you go. How many sober Mesa SKUs were then subsequently released as an addition to the brand in 2016? Mm. It was a two-point part okay. answer. Okay. A number so for need- 2015, and then how many were added in 2016? So it's a two-part question. All right. Second, and I'm not kidding. Second question is easy, but the first one okay. is tougher. The first one's tougher. Now, some of them weren't. But some of them were kind of these hidden, really. Like, were they all just right? They were all out there. No, there were, there were, there, oh, I just almost said the number. There were so many that were displayed initially at the 2015 trade show. And then another number were introduced okay. at the 2016 trade show. Okay. So here's what you're going to have to do to do that. Uh, in the live stream chat, put the number. And then this is where people get hung up. I want a very simple hashtag, hashtag DTT, so I can find these things. Um, I will go through the answers and confirm the right answer with Steve rather than assume what the right answer is. And just so there's no, just an extra bit of clarification. We'll give a chance to anyone to amend their answer. It does not include the exclusives that I made for sizes for famous, right? Nor cigars international or for any other retailer. It's just the ones that were available for nationwide release for all of the retail accounts to purchase. Yep. Yep. So you got the sober maces in 2015. And then the follow-up in 2016. And we're talking core sober mesa. We're not talking brulee. Core sober mesa, not brulee. Right. We're not talking limited, yeah. Not exclusives for other people, just right. core that were on yep. the price sheet. That, that's yep. a tough question. It's a tough question. Um, please put one answer, right? Because sometimes these are not time ordered. So if you put two answers, I'm not gonna know which was what your intended answer. But hashtag DTT. I will go through these, confirm the answer. I think I do know, have the answer on this, but I'll confirm it with Steve, and then we will make arrangements for you to get the ashtray. And make sure the hashtag is correct. I see some that is a little oh, misspelled. It, I, oh, it's spelled. I think they had the right answer. T-T-T. We have hashtags are an issue with the Tuesday night audience. I can tell you that. The just uh, there might be a little bit of other confusion. Let's get real. Just follow the first it's number is the involved. initial release, the second number is the secondary release, not the total of the two right. releases. Right. So, first number is the first release, yeah. second number is the second amount, not yep, right. That's how we have to be. Yep, and they add up to the total. So, if you did that, refresh your answer. You could delete your comment, but just get it right so it's easier for me to go through that. Here's the funny part I don't even care who wins the damn ashtray. So. <laughs> Just pick whoever you think is. Yeah. And cigar media guys are not eligible. <laughs> or retailers. <laughs> or retailers. But I'll say this. If you don't win and you want the ashtray, Jay Davis has a deal, I believe. I, I no, he's already gone. He called me today. And he's gone? Said, yeah, he said they all went in an hour. <laughs> wow. Good point. I'm like, yeah. So, that, so you can't call Jay for that one. Yeah. I think when he called me, he's like, man, you know, can I get more? And I'm like, well, look, the deal is the same for everyone. We, we limited it to... Um, Every retail that placed an order last year, I owed them an ashtray from yeah. the trade show as a thank you. And then we limited it to uh, five additional ashtrays. So, and that's the reason why you see somebody like even Smoke In, they have six ashtrays in their auction. 
I think, uh, I think, uh, I think Ronnie's going to put together a promo that has like six ashtrays. So nobody currently has gotten more than six ashtrays and nor, nor will they in the short term. And in fact, I think the office was telling me today, we're like down to like the last 22 of them or so. Um, but a lot of retailers are in transit to them. Right. So I think you're going to see a lot more ashtray opportunities right. in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then I held back, I don't remember, something like 70 of them because I want to have them to use for contests and yeah. raffle prizes and store events and stuff like that. And then I'll decide whether to make more, yeah. I, you know, so. Yep. Yeah, because yep. yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I did the same thing with the ashtrays that I did with the original unicorns. I, I, I said to the retailer, hey, if you buy X, you get an ashtray. So for every X you buy, get this up to this limit. Right. You know, and because uh, I look, I'm still, I don't really want to be in the ashtray business per se. It's just not my cup of tea. Right. Is this a one time run of these, or you think it'll be another I'm run? I'm hoping down? I get to make more because I'd right. like to give those guys more work. Right. The problem is they cost so much. Yeah. Because I was even thinking, I saw a couple of retailers like selling for $129. And the reality is they can't sell for $129. I can sell for $129 when I send it to the retailer as a bonus on top of the purchase that they were going to likely make anyways. But I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't sell the ashtray and then get their keystone markup. There's just, I, I'd actually lose money selling them the ashtray that way. So for me, it has to be tied to a substantial cigar purchase is the only way it makes sense. Or right. I basically have to charge a hundred dollars for an ashtray and then what's the retailer going to sell it for $200? Cause that's really where the math works out. And I don't know if anyone's going to buy an ashtray for 200 bucks. I mean, I know there's plenty of $500 ashtrays in the market, but does anyone really buy $500 ashtrays? Uh, unless they're like, a, you know, when you get into some of the collectible things, maybe, you know, I think there's a market for a $500 ashtray. It's kind of like Rob report type stuff, you know, that luxury stuff, but the average consumer, no. Yeah, it's not. Probably, yeah, it's yeah. not like Rob Report's going to feature Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust unless I start buying ads at Rob Report. Right, <laughs> and that's right. just that's too richy rich for my blood. Yep, yep. All right. Um. So yeah, the ashtray contest is out there. Um. And be sure to enter in. Uh, all right, Steve. Let's turn to the trade show and the PCA. We haven't really talked about that yet. Um. So I got a few questions to kind of start this one off. I know there's one topic we're going to hit on this, um, but let's, you know, two questions. Were you satisfied with last year's trade show? And do you think this year's trade show, the way you're seeing things are on the right trajectory to kind of resurrect and kind of reinvigorate this trade show? All right. So the first question is easy for me. Uh, we had our best trade show ever. Um, our numbers continue to go up. So for me, last year's trade show was wildly successful. Right. It was the it was the first trade show that we actually wrote over a million dollars at the trade show. We had never done that number right. uh, at a trade show before. Um, so and we, we we beat that number. Um, is it on the right path? I don't even know anything about this year's trade show other than the fact that I'm going. You know, I, I have a booth. I uh, I bought my plane tickets. I heard you guys talking before we got on air that you bought your plane tickets. In fact, that's on my list of things to do tomorrow is to buy everyone's plane tickets. Um, I've been putting it off because I know how painful it's going to be because it's going to be brutal. Um, it was brutal. But, 
it was yeah, brutal. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. There's just no way around it. I just know what airfare has been costing me the last, yeah. you know, the last six months. And uh, yeah. So um, I don't really know what to expect. I, I don't know. Like, did a lot of retailers come last year because it was kind of like the first year that first time they could get out of their houses and like, oh, my God, I just got to go to Vegas. Or did a lot of retailers last year go, oh, it's too soon. I still don't feel comfortable traveling, but now I do. Um, I really, I have no concept as to what the retailer's mindset is. I mean, and I haven't even asked the guys at the PCA what their registration levels like, to be honest with you. I mean, you're going to talk to Scott Pierce, what, next week? Next week, yeah. Well, we're going to hit some is, of those. What can Scott say? He's going to say that it's doing great and it's, you know, better than ever, right? Because you got to put a happy face on whatever the yeah. circumstances are. So for me, I'll know what type of trade show it is when I get to the end of the trade show, right? And I'll be able to say, oh, well, you know, last year we did X and this year we did Y. And was it worth the, uh, the nut to, to do it? I always feel as though it's going to be worth the nut to do it. I just know if it's worth the nut for Dunbarton to have a 20 by 40 booth. That's what I don't know. Right. And, you know, we start off with a 20 by 20 and we use 20 by 20 for like two or three years. And then we did a 20 by 30 for like another three years. And then last year we did the 20 by 40 and we needed the 20 by 40. Will I need the 20 by 40 this year? I, I really don't know. I just know I'm going to be there. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you, I mean, do you guys have any sense of, I mean, look, retailer attendance is the only thing that ultimately matters, right? We as an industry can all. That's, that's, the, job, that's but, what this is going to be. But in the on. end, it's, it's all about what the PCA, you know, retail membership ultimately decides to do are they going to support the show yeah that's what it comes down to and that also determines whether how much i support the show because you know that's and i've always had this issue with with the big four i understand them not wanting having the issues with the pca and the runaway costs and the lining of the pockets of an organization that maybe was doing something on a legal or a legislative thing that didn't really align with all their values. I think now that we have this bifurcation of there's the handmade cigar argument, premium handmade cigar argument, and then there's the flavored premium handmade cigar argument. I think maybe we can start to get back together again because it's become a very bifurcated issue under the current. So I hope that maybe they start to come back into the fold, but I mean, nobody forces them to have football-sized booths, right? This is no. just to spend that money. Yeah, I mean, they could, and I've always, I was, and I've, I've always been. Look, I go to TPE. We could argue whether that makes any sense, but I do it super cheap. You know, I, I do a, I do a ten by twenty with rented tables. We throw a tablecloth over. You know what I mean? I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really spend a lot of money to do it. Somewhere in the future, if the ROI isn't good on PCA for me, I'll probably do the same thing. I'll scale the booth size down. Maybe there's a future where uh, we go kind of the Fuente route where, yeah, if you're there and you want to give us an order, we take an order, but we're not really soliciting for orders. You know what I mean? Yep. And we just kind of make that not a component of it. 
and we make it more components that customers can see Cindy and they can see me and they can see Dave Lafferty and I can talk to the media guys and we can share cigars and I can pour illegal hooch from underneath the, the table until the, until the, the convention people catch me. And uh, I mean, maybe that's where it ends up going to. I mean, and I've been very clear about my perspective on this. I think the PCA has done a, I think just the whole focus on it being about deals and discounts and is just a terrible way of approaching it. It should never be that way. It should be about the education and the networking and the interacting. And, you know, that should be the reason as a retailer, that's the reason you should go to the trade show. You should go to the trade show because you want to see these things with your own eyes. You want to talk to other retailers. You learn a lot talking to your, you know, your competitors that maybe the competitor that's in the same city as you, but also you learn a lot from this store in New Hampshire and this store in, you know, in Texas and this store in Florida. I think the more conversations you have with people that are in your own industry, uh, the better off it is for you that would have been for me the selling point for whatever reason forever as an industry the organization has always used the oh you should come because you're going to save money well no it doesn't make sense because you're going to get the deal staying at home you're always going to get the deal staying at home yep. i'm in the business of selling cigars i'd love to see you at the trade show but am i not going to take your order you know what i mean because you yep. didn't come to the trade show I mean, I don't even understand, like, I'm, and I, I even posted about this. I was hoping someone from the PCA was going to chime in on that whole thing. Like, I don't understand the exclusives. Are the exclusives available? <laughs> oh, to that's where I wanted to go. Yep. All PCA members, or are they only available to the PCA members that actually attend the show? From what I understand, it's show exclusive. So it's only if you're physically at the show and you're right. And, and you place it right. That's my so, understanding so of what happens when you got that really great account that comes that has been coming this show, you know, three out of four years. And for whatever reason, they're not coming this year. And what you're not going to like, I don't know if Abe DeBabna is coming to the trade show this year. He's in Jordan, right? right for five weeks. Yeah. For five weeks. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's back in time for the show, but that's like the very week after. So I don't know if he's coming or not coming. I mean, which manufacturer is going to tell smoke in that they can't have the PCA exclusive. I mean, how, do you, how do you have that conversation with this customer? Who's a great customer of yours. From, from what I understand, and I'm going to get this clarification with Scott next week and Jake, I know JJ can time it. What I, from what I understand is, you know, if you, if you have the PCA, like bless this as a PCA exclusive, you're technically not supposed to do that. Now, I can't say, what are you going to do if someone breaks the rule? Who doesn't get blessed? It seems like everybody and their brother has a PCA exclusive. I mean, who doesn't have it? I know who doesn't. I don't have one. Okay, I like the only moron that didn't make one for. I don't know if there are moron in that case because I have not been excited by most of these. I mean, there's so many. It's like mind numbing how many PCA exclusives there are. And again, I mean, what retailer is going to carry all those? I, 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 again. But if Steve, I think if you had one, right, it'd be different. I mean, I'm not just saying because you're on the show. I think it would be different the way you approach things. I think you would put something special out there. Well, look, I, I'm working on one now for 2023. Right. I mean, they asked me earlier in the year, and I'm like, man, I just don't think I can get it done in time. It's right. Just 
It's not, you know, I didn't have anything in the works. I had nothing ready. I'm struggling dealing with 2020 and 2021 and catching up. Okay. Um, I just really wasn't in a place. Look, I, I mean, I've been behind on Krakatoa. The Barbara Amaria is a year delayed. I mean, I mean, it's just everything, everything piled up and Lord knows I have way too many limiteds and exclusives last year. God forbid. It was crazy how many I had. So I just didn't feel like I had the bandwidth to do something good. I didn't realize that. I don't know. I, I, again, I don't understand the program. I thought the PCA was going to like say, okay, we're going to name these six companies this year are going to be the ones that are going to do the PCA exclusive. And then guess what? Next year it'll be six different companies. And then the year after that, it'll be six other companies. And maybe they say, Hey, we're going to make, you know, we're going to do it on booth size. And if your booth is over so much, we're going to pick so many from that class and so many in the booth sizes of this size, we'll give them a bite. And then so many of the little ones and maybe make it a random draw as to what the companies are. If you have 10 or more booths, you're in the 10 or more booth thing. We're going to draw two companies out of the bag in January or right after this trade show and say, okay, those are going to be the ones because it now just seems so diluted. I don't know how the retailers are going to decide which to carry, what not to carry. But then again, I don't know if the PCA cares because the PCA's goal in this is A, to have a reason to entice people to come to the show and B, they also get a, a small amount um, you know, from the sale. So it's in the PCA's interest that there be a billion of them, right? But I don't know that it's in the long-term best interest because if you have all these PCA exclusives and we have 30 of them and only four of them are good. It's kind of like you kill it, right? Yeah, and that's you, where that's you, the you problem. Know, what happens? I mean, look, we know these aren't all going to be good. There's going to be some rather, there's going to be some in there that are rather mediocre. It's just the way it works. So I, I, we, yeah, I, we've seen it with the TAA cigars and some of the PCA cigars have fallen into the same category. But Steve, let's say you do that 2023 cigar, right? Are you going to tell a retailer who's been there, like you said, three of the last four years, special circumstance can't be, are you going to tell them no? That I mean, I can't, I you know. I don't know. That's why I want to hear what is actually the framework of this. Yeah. Because that may be a reason why I can't participate. You know what I mean? Maybe that'll be the reason why, yeah, I'd like to do something. Look, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to the trade show. We kind of have a PCA. We, I can only make so many Nikkei Rita Saka cons, right? Yeah. And if I get to the end of the trade show and I've sold out of all the boxes, then guess what? If you weren't in the trade show, you didn't get to buy it because we're not going to make it available to order until the start of the trade show. Right. Right now. But if retailers are really paying attention and they don't go to the trade show and they call the office while we're away, well, of course we're going to honor that order, but the people who go to the trade show are going to probably have first bite at the apple. It's yeah. the same thing. I've already made the holiday still wells. They're done. Okay. So I can't make more. What I have, I'm going to offer at the trade show. And if they all get sucked up at the trade show, they all get sucked up at the trade show. You know, there's nothing I can do about that because I don't, I don't have time to make more in order to deliver them by October. Those cigars, uh, those cigars already had to be rolled at this point and in the cool rooms, you know? So, I mean, in some weird way, maybe I have a PCA exclusive, right? I don't know. I, I just, it's just not technically part of the, um, exclusive series. I mean, the idea of what they're doing this year is last year they were supposed to do this, but I think they're doing it this year as a pavilion, and these cigars are going to be like showcased. 
in this pavilion, right. which I, I think is not a that bad idea. I like that. I like that. Um, so, I mean, and the PCA is promoting these cigars, but there's no one, there's nothing stopping anyone from coming out with a cigar saying you have to be at the trade show to get it. Uh, I know there were a few companies in that boat last year that did that. And some of it was just, they did that. And some of it was, they were limited by production. I just think it's a lot more. I just think it's, a, it's creating a lot of work and, and a lot of the companies just are just, Checking the box is what I've seen. Oh, well, here's the other not thing. Enough is what I'm seeing. Am I a douchebag that I didn't do one? So therefore, I'm not helping to to contribute to the 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 good fiscal cause of the. And I don't even know what they're getting per cigar. Twenty five cents, fifty cents. Yeah. Cigar. They're getting some. They're getting some sort of portion of the proceeds. From right. The they get something the back on that. So I get they're, that. That's intended to go to the legislative and yep. the legal affair funds, right? That's yep. legislative affairs in the in the legal in the legal side. Um, and look, that's a, that's a very worthwhile cause. It needs to be funded. Um, I, you know, so now I'm starting to wonder, man, was I? You know, had I done it, I probably could have sold an easy thousand boxes, thousand ten count boxes, a quarter of cigar, boom, boom, boom. Am I am I cheating the PCA out of money that I could have done for them? You know, so I start thinking about it in that way. Was okay. Well, Maybe I should have found a way to make space for it. Maybe, maybe that was a mistake on my part. So I'm, I think it's better to little, spend little, your time. I'm a, little, I'm a little apprehensive about it, but I didn't want to make something that I didn't have faith in either because I don't want to make something that sucks. Yeah, right. something that I think sucks. And look, yep. I'm sure every company that's making a PCA release thinks it's good, right? You have to assume. I mean, nobody makes a cigar and and thinks it's going to be. They don't try to sell it with a concept of, oh, well, here's something that's mediocre. You know, I, I can't, but we all know that there will be, I mean, it's just the way it works, but that's also very subjective. And you go back to the TAA thing. Uh, the only TAA one that I personally am like interested in smoking every year is the one from Tatuai. Yep. I mean, not that there haven't been other good ones along the way. That's the okay. most consistently. But that's good. the one that consistently, and even that one hasn't been a winner every year in my book. Right. For me. Right. But that's true with every cigar, right? We all have different palates. But that's always been the one that, like, okay, I got to go out of my way to right. try the Tatuaje TAA release. Right. But, I mean, there's so many of those TAA exclusives now that I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't even – I don't bother going out of my way, I mean, to get them. And, and that's why I also think that I, – I, I think you got to – I think it would have been better had they focused it a little bit. I think they actually would have sold just as many cigars and the PCA would have earned just as much money. I, I, I really do that having the pie divided so much. And I think it just runs the risk of the program not doing well, which is not in anyone's best interest. It's not in the manufacturer's interest and it isn't in the PCA's interest. And I have a very hard time. How many PCA releases have been announced? It feels like there's been at least 15 or 20. I have a list of about 14. Okay. Yeah, I have a list of so about your numbers really. So you got 14 at this point. Yeah. We still got June in front of us. So we're probably going to pick up another, yeah. at least three I, or There's four, a couple companies that are doing it, but haven't announced a cigar yet either. Like Crown Heads and Ace Prime have cigars coming out for it. Um, and, and I expect them to probably announce them in the next few weeks. So is a retailer going to dedicate 16 facings to PCA releases? Yeah. 
I took a question. I mean, I don't know whether they will. And then, and of course, I think it's going to depend on the company. Are there going to be like minimum buy-ins? Are you going to, you're going to be allowed to buy a couple boxes or are you going to have to buy 10 boxes? I mean, look, we, we put requirements. If you're going to buy the new Muestra, you, you got to buy a minimum of five boxes. You're going to buy Mike Rita Saka Khan. I don't know what the limit's going to be, but I can tell you right now, it's going to be at least five boxes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let a retailer buy less than 50 cigars and yeah. stick it on their shelves and make the easy cash. I'd rather give it to our more uh, supportive accounts and let them do it, you know? So sure, maybe that won't be the case with the PCA exclusives. Maybe it'll be, Hey, you want to buy a box? You can buy a box. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm, and again, I'll be stuck in my little booth. So I won't even know how it works. You guys will tell me, you know, from you guys going around the trade show. And the same thing. I mean, what are manufacturers going to say? Yeah, I'm not selling much of my PCA exclusive. I'm not going to say that out loud. Right. Oh, say, oh man, everybody's buying it. Everyone's buying it. Everyone's great. Everyone's yeah. buying it. It's unbelievable, yeah. man. You know? Yeah. And I also wonder, will there be samples of this? Well, that was a big problem last year. Can that was a huge sam- problem last year. Well, can last there, year there were circumstances with that. I would say. Can there be samples? I mean, if you're making if you're making whatever a few hundred boxes, I mean, you're going to give away more samples than you can possibly even sell. Right. <laughs> I know there were a couple companies that did give out samples, and there were a couple that said actually the reason there was one company that said the reason they said we're just not making a lot, so we're not giving out the samples, but they had the cigar on display. Right. This company so yeah yeah i mean but do you think that steve do you, but do you actually think right that these cigars sway someone to say i gotta i wasn't going to the trade show now but damn it i gotta go to the trade show now to get these cigars that's that's what i'm not seeing out of these let pieces. me say this i think had you curated the manufacturers you limited it to maybe five a year, you know what I mean? Five yep. or six. You 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 pick people that are widely uh, respected and yep. will search for their cigars. I I think it has more value. I think when you just basically make it an open call, but then you got to look at it from the PCA's point of view. How do you tell someone they can't? They come to the trade show. They support the PCA. Look, I. I just agreed to double my funding to the PCA. Uh, good job, Gary Pesh. You twisted my arm. You know what I mean? But I, you know, I, I doubled uh, Dunbarton's, you know, commitment um, to the, those, uh, those legal and legislative affair issues separate of not having the cigar. So, I mean, just like we're saying, can you tell your best retailers you can't have it? Well, can you also tell your best manufacturer supporters that they can't make it? And that's why I think from the beginning, the way to do it would have been to put them into booth sizes, draw names out of a hat. These are the people for this year. Yep. There can't be somebody next year. You can't do it again two years in a row. Right. I, I, I would have come up with something to make it a little bit more focused. But that, yeah, that's but what I think the TA should have done. That's me sitting here on my too. ass in New Hampshire having an opinion about something that I don't even understand the program works. <laughs> so uh, who knows if my, you know what uh, I mean? I, I, I just, uh, but I do feel that the vast amount of it is going to dilute it a bit. Just the same way as I feel that all the TAA releases dilute the value of the TAA releases. That's been a problem. I mean, it used to be, you go back 15 years ago, there was like one company that did a TAA cigar and that was one you look forward to every year. 
And then after Tatawahe took off, they they opened them, they opened it up. And every manufacturer wants their cut of the pie. Yeah, but we're in business. I mean, yeah. if we see that Brand X is doing great with this, well, why can't we? We we come to the TA every year. We've been supporting you for thirty years. You know, we're a sponsor. You know, blah blah blah. Why why don't I get a why don't I get a taste of this? Yeah. You know, Apple too. Yeah. So and therein lies the problem. I mean, yeah. but I think there's certain things that. I think there's certain things that just universally have been wrong for a long, long time. You know, I think that I've, I've always said from jump, I mean, even 25 years ago, I was saying this, I, I never liked the layout of the trade show. I don't understand all the big well-known companies getting all the front space. I would like to see, I always thought it would be the anchor model would have been a much better scenario. Everybody's going to go to Drew Estate. Everybody's going to go to Nick Perdomo. You know, even everybody now, a lot of people, I mean, the people want to even come to us, you know what I mean? And you get all these like little companies that are back in no man's land that retailers never even walk by them. Yep. I mean, they're like, oh, I don't need to go over there, you know? And I, I think that was always a disservice to the trade show. I think it should have been done where you made people have to funnel. But then the retailers, I think they would bitch about it because they don't want to walk out that way. You know, uh, why are you making me walk by all these companies I don't want to walk by? Show's already too big. Well, yeah, well, the show's too big because you let it get too big, too. You, yep. I mean, this, I mean, look, Drew Estate seems to function fine at TPE with a booth that's literally what? Uh, a sixth of their PCA size booth, maybe? A fourth at least, right? Yeah, I would say about a fourth. It's still a massive booth, for God's sakes. There's <laughs> It's not like there ain't enough room in there to write every order they need to write. Right. I mean, so, yeah. But again, look, earlier this year, they asked if anyone would be on the board. I didn't stick my name in there. Right. Not even like, I don't even know if they'd let me, but I had the opportunity to put my name there and volunteer to be considered. And I didn't put my name up. So it's, you know, really easy for me to talk shit, but I didn't, I, I didn't say, hey, let me come and do this, you know? So. Yeah, that's, I mean, you'll have, you always have another chance. You know, it's, it's all, more seats will roll, so, yeah, I could change. But I have zero feel about how this trade should. Maybe I'll have a better sense, like, we'll probably, we'll probably go live with our um, scheduling app um, probably the second week of June. Um, and then I'll, I'll get an idea as to how many retailers start filling in those time slots to meet with us at the, at the booth. So, but again, we're so small, you know what I mean? Yep. What, 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 I, what I need to be successful and what somebody else needs to be successful is an entirely different scenario. And as you guys well know, I'm, I'm cheap, man. I don't have a, I don't have a, I have a decent booth, an okay booth, but I'm certainly not spending a lot of jack on that booth for God's sakes. I mean, I think my, I think my biggest PCA expense is Lafferty's food bill for God's sakes. That <laughs> boy can eat. Uh, nice. All right. I got two more questions for you, Steve, to wrap up. They're fun questions. So first one's our cattle baron steak question. And tonight this is related to steak. I don't think I've asked you this question before. But I want to know your favorite side dish with a steak. Mm. Man, how can you pick one? 
You could pick one on one. You're allowed to pick one on one. We're not sides are so critical. I mean, I mean, I have to have some starch and I have to have, I always, so I guess I have to have some sort of mushrooms, right? I just love, I love, I love, you know, pan sauteed mushrooms. I just, yeah, I love that. They have to, they have to be there with a steak. Um, But then it has to be some sort of potato. It can be a baked potato. It can be French fries. It can be tater tots, but I, I, I really, I mean, I love the lobster mac and cheese. I love the grilled asparagus. I love a good cream spinach when they do it right. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I love that onion ring topper. I mean, I, yep. I, I like, look, I mean, heck, I like grilled shrimp with my steak, right? I, I, you know, grilled lobster tail. But if I had to just pick one, it would probably be the potato starch, you know? But mm-hmm. man, I don't know if I could do it without the mushroom. I mean, I can get away because the mushrooms go on top of the steak. Really yeah, there you go. go. <laughs> so they, what is that commercial that's on about uh, if you only had to eat one food? The guy says, oh, that's easy. Buffet, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, right. buffet. That, that would be my one food choice. Right, right. <laughs> you eat one food, but yeah. yeah. I got I to I gotta have my potato. Oh, look at me. You know, I actually think potatoes are my favorite food. Really? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Going back to Papa's Rita's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just I mean, potatoes are just so versatile. You yeah. know, I mean, you could just you can just do anything. I, I feel like Bubba Gump, you know, mashed potatoes, <laughs> French fries, crisscross waffle. You know, <laughs> you just go on forever. Which yep, you yep. do with a damn potato. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, and then last question. This is our out. Oh, what about for you two guys? Oh, okay. <laughs> Aaron, I'll let you go. Uh, I like. The mushrooms as well. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the potatoes. Uh, baked potato probably with the steak. Um, cream spinach also. Yeah, the problem with cream spinach is so hit and miss. Yes. yes. I mean, they they got to know how to do it right. That's, yep. that's the problem. That's the problem with it, yeah. But when it's right, it's it's It's, it's, right, it's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, but when it's off, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm also with the mushrooms. But I like the grilled asparagus on the side. I'll, I'll usually always go for that if there's an option for fresh grilled asparagus. I'm there. Thing is with the asparagus, though, it's got to be the thin. I don't like when they give you those tree log asparaguses, <laughs> right? And you and you have to ask them for a sharper knife than you cut the steak yeah, with want, to I cut want, those. Want, no, that's <laughs> that. That is a problem. Yes, I want the baby asparagus, right? <laughs> right, right. Want, you yeah. want it a little more tender. Yeah, I want it to. I want, you want to a like, little snap to it. You want. I want a little it to be snap. double the thickness of a pencil, maybe. But you once you get much beyond that, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't want this pinky thickness asparagus on my. On my plate, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, I do love the the mushroom, the sautéed mushrooms for sure. Yeah. Uh, they're they're done right. All right, we have our second question, which is the Alec Bradley Live True question. I'm not gonna do a whole segment, but it's a simple question. So and we we can all answer this one as well. Um, is there a TV show or a movie that you would like to see make a come back or be remade so it could be hey they bring the original cast back or they I really remake it with a new cast I really i really think someone should make a remake of top gun I, I, I'm really <laughs> very yeah, timely i think i think, I think that's absolutely it. not um, <laughs> that was kind of what's inspired this question of course i do that's what inspired the question you know how difficult that is because you're so you're always so let down 
by those remakes. It's so rare. Like, so like, I'll tell you like a remake that I like, I was so looking forward to was as a kid, I read the book Dune by Frank Herbert. Mm -hmm. I just thought just an amazing, you know, soap opera, sci-fi, you know, just so deep and so rich a story. And then that first movie got made and it so sucked. I'm like, oh, wow, it is. It's 30 years in the future. They're going to make it again. And guess what? The remake sucked too. And I was like, I, I like watched about an hour and a half of it. And I had to constantly explain the story to my wife as we're going along because they were leaving out so many details and none of it made any sense. Like if you hadn't read the book, that movie was literally impossible to follow, right? And But that's not an answer question. That's answering the ones I don't like. This is going to sound stupid. I would like to see... I would like to see a modern remake of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yes. There you go. I, would, I love I would, that I would, I would love to see one that is... that so captured that high school vibe that, you know, in a fun, kind of satirical way. Because we had... A, when In the 80s, we had a bunch of those movies, right? Yeah. That kind of yeah. followed that line. And there just really, there hasn't been anything like that that I'm aware of in a long, long time. The Hangover um, was the closest thing, I think. Okay, yeah, The Hangover, but of course, yeah. it's a different age demographic, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see a remake of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There you go. That's a great one. I love that one. And I'll tell you another thing I would be okay with. I'd like to see, and it's not really a remake, but I would like to see, I would like to see current day Ferris Bueller and where he ended up. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like, I like, I like, I, you know, I, I like to see where Ferris Bueller is today. <laughs> what What's going to be disappointing to you is to find out that he was actually Bartman. <laughs> All right. You want to go Cooper? You want me to go? You go. I have two TV series. I would love to see remakes of. They did a remake of one of them and it was so disappointing. And I, I'll caveat both of these that I would like to see them done by like an HBO or a Showtime or Netflix where they make it like darker and like just not the not the TV style kind of cheesiness that they kind of had before. You know, more gritty, more. Real. Yeah. One is Knight Rider. Oh, so the remake of Knight Rider was horrible, uh, but I would yeah. love to see a Knight Rider remake. Um, and I would also like to see an A-Team remake. The movie was crap. But I would like to see those two series like in a gritty style, but a series, not just like a single movie or anything like that. If they could do either of those, I'd be all in. That's a, those are good ones. I got to admit, I never really got into A-Team. I, I just not that I disliked it. I just never really watched it. So, yeah, you know, I just, I, I just know the Mr. T thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what's funny is I watched it originally because Mr. T was in it. But I became a George Pippard fan by the time right. the show was over. Yeah. Like if you had George Clooney as Hannibal, right? Something like that. Like you could even make it like you could have Clooney, Brad Pitt, Pitt as Face Man, right? Like almost playing the same roles that they were playing like Ocean's Eleven. You could almost have them in those same kind of roles. Right. Like it would, I think it would be amazing. I'd watch it. Yeah. I watch anything, man. I'm desperate. So much plane time, hotel time. I mean, I'm watching. I'm watching that uh, for all mankind right now. 
uh, from H, uh, from Apple Plus. It's actually an interesting series. It's an alternative history, basically starting with the premise that the Russians landed on the moon first, mm. that they beat us in the space race, and then about where the space program and the two countries went afterwards from that, you know, that um, seminal event, right. that a seminal event, you know, the moon landing. It's it's an, it's an interesting story. So have, have you ever watched the, the series, The Man in the High Tower? Yes. Okay. Because it's kind of, I mean, a similar kind of alternative history type thing. So. Right. The, yeah. thing, the problem with The Man in the High Tower was I thought the first season was excellent. Mm-hmm. And the second season just kind of lost me. And again, oh, okay. again, The Man in the High Tower is just one of these quintessential sci-fi staples that is just so impactful. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those just unbelievable stories. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, you know, I'm, I'm not going to steal the thunder here, but I, another thing I'd really like to see, one of my favorite short stories was, um, what was it called? Oh, gosh, now I can't even remember the name of it. And they made, and uh, they made a movie with Will Smith in it where he was essentially the last man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, shit, I'm a, it's called I something. I, uh, what was that called? It's a great story. Somebody in the chat better yeah. chime in. I mean, that was a, that was a great like little novella. It was like maybe eighty or ninety pages. Um, you know, did they ever make Animal Farm into a movie? I am Legend. I am Legend. Yeah. That was it. I, I was so disappointed with the first movie. Because it's so like took trinkets from the book, but it missed the whole point of the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. The book was so powerful and so impactful in the message that the book was telling that it really kind of lost its way. Just the same way as uh, they made Starship Troopers into this cheesy B thing. Mm -hmm. I love it. I watch it when it clicks on. But it's so far from what Starship Troopers was about as a book. Right. I mean, Starship Troopers was such a was such a um, groundbreaking book that it, it actually got banned out of a lot of libraries. Oh wow! Um, when it when it first got released, I guess in the '30s. I mean, just the the political point of view that was being expressed and how no, everybody shouldn't have a vote. That, yeah. No, you should have to earn the right to vote, and this is what you have to do to earn that vote. And if you don't do that, then yeah, you're here and we'll take care of you, but you're not a full citizen. You know what I mean? It was a very, it was really a play back on the early thought patterns of the 1700s of you had to be a property owner in order to be allowed to vote. Mm -hmm. And that was really kind of the core premise of that story swaddled in this sci-fi, you know, atmosphere, but that was really what the book was about. It was yeah. about that political perspective and the pluses and the minuses and all of this. And that just completely like the book just was a cheesy, hey, let's get into cheesy costumes and shoot cheesy bugs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. go ahead, uh, Coop. I'm just going on and on. What, what, what are yours? All right. The first one's going to be a little off the beaten path, but I just watched this series again and it was made in the 70s and the production was so poor. I think it could be redone with, with a much better production. And it's the iClaudius miniseries. 
Uh, I Claudius was a great miniseries. It was great, but if they actually yeah, can actually the production values and the acting and all of that was yeah, it was, it was really yeah, it was really low production they had yeah. right. And I'm just thinking if they actually would put that in with some modern production and get some, they could get some really good actors for that. Yeah, it's a fantastic. Did, I wouldn't change the core of the story. Yeah, no. If you did a Games of Thrones style, yeah, you know, that kind of quality production, yeah, that I mean, yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a fantastic period of Roman history. That it, it, it's so much meat on the bone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, uh, like I said, I, I, I just recently watched it again uh, when I was on vacation. It, it's really good. Um, the other one is I want a continuation of this show. So I want to bring back the cast that I know it's older, but I want to bring back married with children. <laughs> there you go. I, but I want like old Al Bundy, you know, yeah. you know old Peggy. Oh, Peg, I want, yeah, I want the older than that next generation and maybe a third generation. I want, bring back the characters on that. Um, a show that jumped the shark but jumped back is what I always say. They, they yeah. jumped it for a short time and then they fixed it. And it was making as, as outlandish as it was in the 90s is what I would say. Don't change yeah. the core. It's hard to do that now, man. There's I know so it's hard. Things that are off, off limits now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's tough. Even something that I mean was as tepid as Mash. I don't know if they could make even Mash today. Yeah. Oh. I mean, good God. I mean, much less you start talking about stuff like the Jeffersons yeah. or Good Times or Archie Bunker. Or, <laughs> well, I mean, all the you know, they redid those Archie Bunker episodes, but they picked safer episodes when they redid those like those sketches with them. Which again misses the whole point. Yeah. Yep. The point was you were supposed to. See, you were learning. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, yep. yeah, yeah, so yeah, definitely for sure. Um, yeah, I don't think we'll see anything like that anytime soon, unfortunately. No. But here's the funny part we say that, but yet look at the programs that like Ozark. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's watched Ozark, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, so I mean, when you look at the programs that are really successful on the on the streaming services they're all much more mature content. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't worry about these lines and these things. They just, okay, this this is the story. This is the arc of the story. Yep. Yeah. But they, uh, they stay away from kind of racial things a lot. Um, you know, unless it's like a drama that's specifically targeting, like kind of exposing things in that area. So, you know, and especially the comedy series can't really touch that stuff anymore at all. Yeah. Um, is people just can't handle it. Don't so, you but, think that this is, again, I, I feel as though we're, I think we're rebounding from this. It you think feels, so? Yeah, I don't know. It, just, it feels that just with the recent conversations about Chappelle and Joe Rogan, and hmm. it, it feels as though there's a bit of a backlash to to i i hope we regress yeah i mean yeah. look i mean well we never can have another george carlin ever again right i mean we never can have another uh, St- uh what would kinnison <laughs> right. we're never we're never gonna have the pleasure of andrew dice clay yeah andrew dice clay. <laughs> you live in the fucking desert of course you're starving fucking move all there is is sand you can't grow anything there you're fucking <laughs> stupid i mean are we, are we never gonna have that ever ever uh, again i mean that's that's i mean I, I i just don't understand this padded room mentality that everybody uh, has to be protected it's like it's crazy and it's just uh, it's just it's too and the thing about it is 
maybe I'm in the wrong circles. Maybe all I hang out with is assholes and douchebags. But uh, between our in our circles, we still have these things, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, we absolutely. still make jokes and have fun and all of this. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. It's just. Uh, Do you know that they? I heard they actually pulled some Brady Bunch episodes out of syndication because they were offensive. The, the Brady Bunch we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah. And the one I know they pulled out was the uh, the one about the, the doctors, the male and the female doctors. And they felt it was too, you know, sexist. So they it was pulled out of syndication, I heard. I mean, look, we're, we're talking about Dr. Seuss going down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's Dr. Seuss, for yeah. God's sakes. Let's, let's not take this too seriously. Yeah. You know, but hey. In the end, I've kind of, this is where I've gotten in my life. I'm at the point now that I just don't give a fuck. Yep. Because I'm going to be dead before it all goes to hell. Mm-hmm. So if this is the world that people want to live in, God bless them. It's their world. I'm old. They're young. They can have the world they want because I'm going to be dead and I'm going to be irrelevant and it won't impact me. And it's just kind of the way I just, I, I can't, uh, I can't fight the fight, but at the same time, I also am, I'm unwilling to curtail myself. You know, I, I still say stupid shit all the time and I don't see that stopping. Gets me in trouble sometimes. Me too. So no doubt about it. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. So Steve first, thank you very much uh, for everything, the support, of course, doing the show tonight. We really appreciate it. No, I appreciate we'll, you guys having me on. Yeah, we'll we'll, still, we'll definitely see you at PCA, uh, for sure. Maybe so, even before that, maybe. Well, yeah, virtual trade shows. The virtual trade yeah. to pop in. Yeah, yeah if he wants oh, to pop yeah. in for that, yeah. So we'll stay. You may have more details about by then. So I'll get the dates to you on that. If you want to come on, I certainly. Hope so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so uh, no, definitely do that. Yeah, I forgot about that. But so yeah, we'll definitely talk with you. I'm sure before that. Um, we start our. PCA shows next week and we have Scott Pierce kicking off a series of four shows. So uh, four PCA themed shows leading up to the trade show. So uh, we'll have a lot of answers from Scott on that. And Embrace that be... the suck. Yep. <laughs> See shit like that that gets me in trouble. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I guess say Scott's always a good guest with us and he yeah. doesn't, oh, Scott's a great guy. he doesn't duck anything when we ask him it. So yeah. Um, so that's good. So yeah, definitely uh, check that out. And then we have a primetime jukebox on Monday night uh, with Dave Burke and I doing uh, songs that begin with the letter C. And it's amazing. We're getting a lot of people adding songs to the list. So you'll hear a lot of, a lot of people have their songs right out as well. Nice. So definitely check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for tonight, guys. Thanks for hanging in there. The contest is officially closed now. So I've just actually just, uh, no more comments will be accepted. And you want uh, the answer? Uh, yeah, you can give the answer. Six and two. Six and yep. two. Yep. So I'll go through, and I'll if there's tie, I'll pick one at random, and then I'll get that to Steve, and we'll get your ashtray. All right, awesome guys. Thanks again. I really yeah. appreciate. It. Thanks again. That's gonna wrap up primetime episode two hundred and thirty into the annals yes. of history. You got it right for uh, Thursday, June. Second, now Friday, June 3rd on the Eastern and Central time zones. See everybody next week. Take care, everybody. See you guys.